again. Dr. Malone back in again. <laughs> Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it as always. Pleasure to be here. It's lovely weather here. Yeah. Uh, how's the horses? Horses are doing good. Um, we have five foals on the ground. Five? Only one filly this time, um, and she's a real spitfire. Uh, she runs around and kicks the other mares and <laughs> just crazy stuff. Yeah, so the, the colts are all doing fine, and uh, the mares are happy. They like more pasture. And uh, the young ones are growing up. Um, we have a our senior stallion, and the junior stallion is off on training right now. And then we've got another one that's coming up that's really big, and uh, we're excited about another buckskin. How do they communicate with each other? All kinds of different ways. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, their posture and emotion and their ears and facial expressions. Yeah, they do whinny and stuff like that. That's more long distance. Uh, but when they get in close, there's a lot of subtleties of how they move their body and, um, how, and particularly how they move the ears. The ears are super uh, sensitive in terms of telling what it is that they're thinking about like the we have a mare that's alpha for the whole group and and she just has to barely flick her ears back and everybody else everybody scatters says, oh, that's it <laughs> i don't want no problems right I, that's yeah. a, what what's when they go like this with their teeth because when i was feeding them and helping them out does that just mean they're hungry and they got something in their teeth or is that saying something well you mean when they when they uh move their lips open yeah yeah that's called fleshing and that's so they have really sensitive uh, detectors for um, hormones and things wow. that are that are in that mucous membrane around their lips, and so they when they're doing that when they're fleshing, they're sensing um, your basic your endocrine signaling. So you know your smells, uh, the things that you're exuding. You know things they can tell if you're male or female, and the like stallions, a pheromone, like yeah, a pheromone. pheromones exactly. Wow. And the stallions can tell. Um, precisely when the mare is receptive. I mean, that's a lot of what the fleshing is about. They smelled your cologne, Tommy. That's what it was. They all have perfect teeth. They never need to go to a dentist. I never saw a, a horse with crooked teeth. Oh, we had a we had a horse that had a. So sometimes you do. Um, we've had horse with ectopic teeth. We had one horse. It's a filly that's uh, now coming three year old that had a, a an ear tooth. Um, embryologically, she had a tooth that grew out by her ear, uh-huh. and and it kept draining. We didn't know what it was. She had a little bump, and it just kept oozing and oozing and oozing. And we were like, oh, I don't know what this is. Is it a parasite? Is some some bug in there or something? Took her to the doc, and he's like, Oh, this is really neat. This is really rare. <laughs> She's got an ear tooth, but she wasn't so, thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was painful. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, ka-ching, a few thousand dollars, and. Then we have this great big tooth in a jar. <laughs> did, did you put it on a plaque or on the wall? No. <laughs> you know, I gave it. I gave it. So I gave it. So this is the surgeon that pulled it, and I gave it to our local vet because he didn't know what the diagnosis was. So I was like, "Well, here it is. Ear tooth. Ear tooth. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, how much has uh, you know the price of food for your horses and everything like that? Have, have you noticed a big increase in yeah. that? Yeah. Um, and in particular, the problem is the price of fertilizer. Yeah. So a lot of farmers now are really cutting back on fertilizer use, which means you cut back on the yield of your of your hay fields for alfalfa or grass hay or whatever, Timothy. And uh, but they can't afford the fertilizer since the Ukraine <coughs> conflict. And so uh, 
that that cascades into everything, you know, and, and the grain is now way more expensive. The hay is more expensive. There's less of it around. Um, it's And, of course, it, I, this is just I don't mean to whine. This is just the horse business. But it affects cattle. It affects chickens. It affects swine. It affects everything. Um, you know, that every, every major food stuff, whether it's animal-based or plant-based, is, is, is up in price because the uh, fertilizer costs. And the fertilizer, strangely, a lot of that's coming from natural gas. And Ukraine was one of the major producers, Ukraine and Russia, of, of natural gas-based fertilizer. And we have huge natural gas resources here in the United States. But for some reason, we're not converting those into fertilizer for our farmers. So that's a, that's a big bitch for a lot, of, a lot of folks that have to you know, drive a tractor for a living. I bring that up because we had in uh, Ralph from uh, Okeechobee Steakhouse, who around here has been here 90 years, three or four traditions, and I almost fell fell off the chair. He had a seafood business in Florida. And it's not like, I mean, Jay Leno goes there, you know, like big time people go in there. And he had to close the seafood business because the Chinese were buying all the fish, taking them, you know, they were being sent to China, and you get basically a two for one. Shoot it up, clone it, two for one. I'm adding clone to it, but shoot it up with whatever and send it back. Then all his meat, he's very, you know, 90 years and didn't break. He would go to get meat. Smith Brothers that had been around forever, they were bought out by China. He was naming a bunch of other names bought out by China. Then he would go to the farmer farmers, you know, like we're talking about, and the fertilizer was through the roof, the feed was through the roof. So then that goes back down on the mom and pop restaurants, places like that, where he would have to up the price of steak and everything else if you wanted non-injected, uh, right. you, you know, right. and, and that's a guy who's been around for 90 years. So someone who's been around three years, that's just trying to open up a mom and pop, that's, that's just destroying them. So it's interesting you bring this up. Um, next weekend, we're going to have uh, a meeting of, uh, the Beef Initiative, um, led by a guy named Texas Slim from Texas, at uh, the ranch of a good friend of mine who lives about 20 minutes north of us named Brooke Miller. He's actually my personal physician, but he's a seventh or eighth generation Virginian and a fourth generation cattle farmer, Black Angus, in Virginia. And uh, what they've done is set up this initiative to make it easier for people to go direct to the farmer, direct to the rancher to get their beef. Um, and so they can get beef that hasn't been injected with hormones. It's grass fed, hasn't had to be in the feed lot. Um, you know, it doesn't have antibiotics and hormones pumped into them. And the thing that a lot of people are worried about more and more now is RNA vaccines in animals. That's become a super hot topic. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, next, next weekend, we have the Ginger Hill uh, Beef Initiative meeting in Virginia. And uh, we put a little Twitter clip uh, promoting that. Um, that's you know, it's a it's a beautiful farm, and and uh, we're gonna um, teach people how to uh, process a half carcass, and uh, have a big barbecue, and have various talks, and we'll talk about RNA vaccines and other things. So, there's a there's the problem is as you're pointing out that the vertical integration is just killing the farmer. 
Um, so basically, these Wall Street firms and investment firms come in, and they buy up the entire industry all the way down, you know, the processors and everything else. And there aren't that many processors, and the USDA makes it really hard for new processors or slaughterhouses to get started, like local slaughterhouses. And they make it hard for local producers to, to slaughter animal, um, so that, you you know, it's harder to get go to the farmer direct. Um, but there's a, a lot of that happening in Virginia now. That's what we do, uh, is we go direct and buy a quarter or a half cow. And um, so this, what's happened is that basically these huge um, agribusiness operations are squeezing the farmer because they control all the slaughterhouse um, capability. And so you can't move, you know, you have to pay, you have to sell to their price. They're controlling the price squeezing everything and then there's also all this foreign stuff as you're talking about and it's not just coming from china it's coming from latin america and other places and uh they they uh they put laws in place labeling laws in the united states right now where they can do things like so long as they put a knife on a carcass then it's considered to be u.s beef what um yeah so Are they could, yeah no totally yeah so there's wow. there's all kinds of sneaky stuff that's going on here and um that's that's uh what the beef initiative is about is to make it possible and and kind of promote the idea that folks can go direct to the producer and cut out all this middleman stuff you know the problem is that it's for for you know, the average family that's just trying to make ends meet, yeah. they can't afford, this is kind of a luxury thing to go to a farmer and buy a premium uh, product that's grass fed and has been treated humanely and, and all that kind of stuff. Just like getting uh, free range eggs or free range chicken as a premium product, you have to pay extra for it. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the choice we're faced with now is we either eat these industrial foods that have had all this stuff pumped into them or we have to pay a premium to get clean food. Which is mind-blowing to me because I grew up in Pennsylvania. You would go to the Amish. Exactly. And it would be cheap. Exactly. Yeah. You could go to the store or to the Amish and you could get double what the Amish. And they've attacked, now they've, there's cases against some of the Amish for interstate shipping of a slaughtered animal. So um, what that's, yeah, so they, they're trying to restrict because it's the federal government that controls interstate commerce, right? Okay. And so then USDA gets its hooks into things, and FDA gets its hooks into things. If it's involved in interstate commerce, if it's within the state, like the state of Florida or the state of Pennsylvania, then technically they can't get in there, okay, if it stays within that state. And so that's that's how they're trying to hit the Amish right now um, and the Mennonites uh, is, is through those kinds of laws and get them to now conform with, you know, the taxation and all the various regulation policies and documentation and blah, 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 blah. That just makes it so insanely expensive, uh, to, to produce, um, livestock for food. So everything's flipped upside down where you will go to the, to the local farmer to save money. And now it's the opposite. If you don't want to get poisoned, basically, that's me saying it. Uh, you're going to pay more. And then uh, Ralph was also saying that not only the feed, the fertilizer, the other million problems. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30... 
your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss, you name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscsmedia and get 25% off your test using the code mscsmedia. The link is in the description at the top. This episode is sponsored by Z-Biotics. What is Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic? The Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is a genetically engineered probiotic you drink before drinking alcohol to avoid that rough next morning and get back to living your life. PhD scientists invented it because they know the real problem is not dehydration. It's a toxic byproduct of alcohol. And Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is the only product that breaks it down. Just remember to drink responsibly and plenty of rest too. Every time I have Z-Biotics before drinking, I'm amazed at how good I feel the next day. Z-Biotics is a must-have for me because it means I'm still going to make my daily workout even if I have a few drinks the night before. That's important to me. You can get Z-Biotics for 15% off your first order using my code MSCSMedia at checkout. I recommend getting the six-pack. That's what I got. It's a great deal. You have a couple extra to share with friends. Go to zbiotics.com backslash MSCS Media. That's Z as in zebra, biotics, B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com backslash MSCS Media or scan the QR code on the screen right now and get 15% off your first order. You will not be sorry. Link is in the description below. If they're tractor brakes, tractor that, you know, just a John Deere and Saint needs a spark plug. He said it was, it's like, impo- you know, he's friends with these guys. It's impossible to get yeah. like a parks plug. So I all my yeah. equipment is Kubota. Yeah. Um, so it's all coming from Japan and runs through Georgia. And um, the routine stuff is stocked for repair um, in local warehouses, U.S.-based warehouses. But anything that's non-routine is a pain in the can. It takes forever to get there. Um, you know, so it'll be weeks to get your part. And it was never like that before. No. Um, all of the supply chain, I mean, there's some big issues about supply chain what, that's going on right now. Um, and you probably are aware of that. But it's it's throughout all industry. And uh, it's absolutely exacerbated by the COVID crisis. That, that kind of was a trigger that made everything go south, so to speak. But um, now it's it's increasingly hard to just get regular stuff done um regular parts for routine things that you would you know for your car the other day for my audi i have an 06 a4 and and which is a you notorious and engine Another you and doubt that's what doubt has <laughs> yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah and and <laughs> it's it's got some you know known defect in in the engine and so we're going to have to get a cam balancer and that's going to have to come from germany and that's going to be god only knows how long <laughs> it's just like everything is just gone um, and the stuff that we used to take for granted, you're right. It's just um, we're going to have to adjust to a, a different way of doing things. And there's a – so off on this t- – let me go off on a tangent. Sure. Um, there's this strange history that happened 
um, uh, during the Bronze Age, at the close of the Bronze Age, when uh, I, I was in the Bosphorus uh, this summer, so I got to learn all this new stuff uh, about history. And so after, after the Battle of Troy, <laughs> after the Battle of Troy, okay, um, there emerged in the Mediterranean these people called the Sea Peoples that many people think were basically the Trojans, expats that got run out of Troy uh, when they lost. And, and they took to the ocean, and they started marauding down the Mediterranean coast, burning and pillaging and everything else that goes with that. And, uh, and um, as they came down the Mediterranean coast, apparently, um, King Ramses uh, of Egypt... Hmm. Um, recognized that they were going to be coming into the Nile and posed a major threat to the Egyptian empire. And so um, this is going somewhere. This is no, not no, a shaggy no. dog story. I, I can okay. see that. Yeah, no, so they, they're, they, they're, the sea peoples are coming down, and Ramses um, successfully, this is why he was so great, he was considered so great, is he deployed all of his forces at the mouth of the Nile, and they hid in the reeds and stuff like that, and the sea peoples came in in their sailing ships to raid and pillage Egypt, and they got wiped out, okay? So Ramses is a big hero, and within like two decades, the Egyptian empire completely collapsed, Okay. Why did it collapse? Because as the Sea Peoples had come down the Mediterranean, they'd basically basically taken out all of Egypt's major trading partners and their supply chain. So the Egyptian empire, which was totally dependent on its um, supply chain, for exactly, um, suddenly found itself isolated, and the economy collapsed because they'd lost their trading partners. And the, the reason why this is significant now is because it's a metaphor for what's happening right now with the um, United States and the the passing of Pax Americana, um, our decreasing um, capability of patrolling the seas and our decreasing interest in it, the rise of the BRICS economies and the and currency, right? And, and we're now facing the potential um, uh, transition from the petrodollar to something else, which would free up a ton of American currency that's currently offshore involved in petroleum exchange that's going to have to come back to the United States. And, you know, if we get a big influx of, of dollars, right, coming in from offshore because they're no longer being used for selling and buying petroleum, that we know what that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be hyperinflation. So there's just all these things that are all converging all at once that um, – it's hard to figure out, you know, what the right way is to to go forward. Why do you think they stopped having any interest in researching the sea? Researching the sea, <clears throat> you know, like when you said that they're not looking into the oceans and and oh, I, oh, I was talking about is is American sea power. So, yeah. so the thing that has uh, really guaranteed um, this uh, trade that we're talking about, that you were just alluding to, that it used to be that all these cheap goods could come into the United States relatively efficiently. That was all about basically the American Navy protecting all the sea lanes. Oh. And so now we're pulling back from that. We're, we're hmm. coming back on shore. We're, we're losing power as, as an imperial empire in the United States. And there's no others that step in, that are able to step in, except China's trying to get there, right? But they're not there yet, to protect sea lanes. And so suddenly 
ocean transportation is going to become a lot more problematic and expensive and and time-consuming and risky and all that kind of stuff. It's, that's the projections from people like Ed Dowd, who you just had on here, yeah. that, that know much more about these things than I do. Yeah, he's Do- the math trend. <laughs> Doctor, on the on the topic of uh, beef and cattle and all that good stuff, is there truth that, I have a link pulled up there, but is there truth that cattle, chickens are being um, injected with the COVID vaccine? This was a zoo. This is a little different story, but they've been... It, Hit the animals. So I'm glad you brought this up because this is a super hot topic right now. And there are some people that are making hay while the sun shines and, and you know, issuing their own version of fear porn where, where, they're, where they're getting everybody all wound up and excited about the fact that the food supply is going to be contaminated. And um, a colleague of mine that I'm not going to mention put out an article sure. about um, that they're going to put uh, RNA vaccines in the milk that was just way off base um but but everybody gets all excited now they're so afraid of, i almost uh, i was almost gonna ask you is that soluble doctor <laughs> like, can they, you mix they, it with milk they, yeah is that a good reconstitutional so, solution yeah so so um uh so it's absolutely true that um various companies and zoetis is one and merck vaccines is another merck animal products mm-hmm. um have so merck for instance has developed a customized mRNA vaccine technology that is being deployed in pork, in swine right now, has been for a few years now. Okay, so it's absolutely true that RNA vaccines are going into the pork um, food stream, and we know nothing about it. We know nothing about what the testing has been, the safety assessment, etc. cetera, okay? Um, right now, there's no evidence and, and most of the cattlemen associations are coming out strongly against using RNA vaccines in cattle. And, and it really matters in dairy cattle because we know that these particles can be passed in the milk in humans, so they're probably going to be passed in the milk in cows, right? And so right now, it's not happening in cows. There's talk about it happening in chickens. It's absolutely happening in pork, and we've documented that. We are actually, Jill and I are the ones that broke this story back in January. And then it just went viral, um, and and everybody jumped on the bandwagon, and then they started getting everybody excited about stuff that isn't true. Told you, Iron Man and Iron Woman. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's the the backstory here. Is um, in fact, and so I I've been, you know, this is one of the things that I talk about and I get asked about a lot. And so I try to, I've tried to think about why would they want to push this technology into um, feed animals, um, livestock, for the food supply. The only thing that I can – because we have pretty good vaccines for most of the things that matter. And general policy in many nations, like in the Netherlands, is that if you have an outbreak of a virus, say, in a chicken flock – in a chicken house, you basically kill all those chickens. If you have an outbreak of foot and mouth disease, you kill all the animals that have been exposed to foot and mouth disease. That's just been the policy for for a long time, decades to centuries. Okay, is the the best way to handle it is you just cull that flock or that herd when when you get something bad like this come out. And now they want to push these uh, rapid response vaccine technology that goes gene to vaccine. Um, that they pushed on all of us too. And they did it in Seattle. I saw it. They did it. It was fifty. It was a chicken plant, a big one, big huge chicken plant in Seattle. They all got the flu. 
50 million of them. Instead of just taking them out, like you said, they shot them all up. Yeah. So the problem with that strategy is that it's proven that what you will do, just like what happened with COVID, is you'll select for variants, virus variants that are resistant to the vaccine. And then you'll then the next time that breaks out, your vaccines don't work anymore, just like what's happened with COVID. It's, it's really kind of pretty amazingly stupid that people do this. But um, I'm pretty sure that what's really behind this agenda to adapt the mRNA vaccine technology for animals is factory farming. Hmm. Because this isn't a problem in, um, you know, free-range chickens or grass-fed cattle or, or um, pigs that are humanely kept. Uh, free, you know. So it's not a problem when you don't have that animal density. But when you're going to pack animals in really tight, small spaces and then farm them like a factory— then you have a high risk of if an infectious agent gets into that, it'll spread like wildfire. And I think the people that are really driving this whole agenda are the factory farm big ag people. I think it comes back to big ag. And I think it's because they see a risk, a business risk, and they want a technology that will mitigate that risk. And they really don't care. I'm sorry to say it, but near as I can tell, they just don't care about the consumer. They care about the profit. And they're not they, – they, and, you know, just like what we've seen with the CDC and the FDA and the NIH, USDA is captured. It's captured by Monsanto. It's captured by big ag, um, just the same as the FAA is captured by the likes of Boeing. That's why we got the Supermax sure. fiasco, right? It's that same process all the way through the federal government. And, you know, we can't, just like we can't seemingly trust the CDC to protect our interests, they seem to be more interested in, in advocating for the vaccine industry. Um, we can't trust the USDA or the FDA to ensure food safety is what I'm seeing. Um, and it's hard to argue against it. Um, and That's I don't know what we a do. great point. Does that mean if you, and I'm being really weirder, but if, 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 I, if I get a chicken that was shot up with the COVID vaccine, I eat that chicken, do I now have the COVID vaccine within me at a strength where it could, it could do harm or no, not really? That's something that a lot of people are asking. And um, personally, I think it's unlikely that it's going to be clinically significant, the potential harm that it might come to you. But to be honest, I have to say I'm not aware of the studies to show that it's safe. Just like we didn't have enough studies to show that the uh, mRNA vaccines were safe or the adenovirus vaccines, and now we see that they weren't safe, right? Um, and furthermore, that they weren't effective. So, so I, the way I have to answer those questions like that, and I get them all the time, is um, I don't think that it represents a major risk because you cook the food, for instance, um, but uh, we don't know the clearance of pseudouridine modified mRNA in chickens. Nobody studied it, to the best of my knowledge. And it's unlikely that the USDA is going to force them to do it because they won't even force them to do it for humans. <laughs> well, do you, think, do you think that's a reason why people have gotten smarter, I think, uh, since the onslaught of COVID with the vaccine and those people that, you know, have not got the vaccine, that this is their way to almost like, I hate to say it, but still like infect them with it, maybe without them even realizing it. So that's, that a 
underlying that statement is the thesis that there is some really sneaky stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nefarious plans. And if you pick away at that scab, underneath it is typically the idea that these aren't really intended as vaccines. They're intended as population control. And people talk about those things. Um, the way, because I'm a licensed physician, okay, despite all the stuff they throw at me um, and all the claims they make about me, so far they haven't really been able to hit me in any way that threatens my license. And if they could, they would. Well, you're the only so, top yeah. vaccinologist so, in the planet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all. So, so, um, <laughs> so that's not obviously not true. But I may be one of the only ones well, that's willing to <laughs> willing to speak. Right. 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 Um, so they'd love to take me out. We see that all the time. There's all kinds of efforts to do that. The latest is they try to associate me with neo-Nazis and anti-Semites. Really? And there's multiple examples of that. Yeah. So Jeez. the Anti-Defamation League just pulled that one on me and McCullough and Kirsch. Uh, that's that's like hell? two weeks ago. But, no, this, this is, this <laughs> is three, a strategy. The, the three nicest guys I probably know in my <laughs> life, other than Rob. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and probably the only reason they haven't done it to Ed Dowd is he's not on their radar. Yeah. Um, yet, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, The way I have to approach this is that there is absolutely a writing in uh, various documents from the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and from Bill Gates hmm. and from his father that talk about eugenics and the need for population control. That's true. It's, you know, the, the artifacts are there, the receipts, right? We can find those things. Um, and... Uh, those entities all seem to have an obsession with deploying these products that are neither safe nor effective. Um, are they wanting to deploy these products that are neither safe nor effective and are absolutely have significant toxicities and cause unnecessary death? Are they doing it because they want a depopulation agenda to be per, uh, to be advanced are they doing it because they actually want to sterilize humans i've seen no evidence of that i have no documents to say that's their agenda numbers look it, kind it of could it, there there's numbers, a there's a lot know. of yeah there's a lot of smoke yeah a lot of fog around this but until for me personally i can't go there i can't say this is what they're doing because they could be doing a lot of other things too and i think they are you know, like buying all the farm. He's what, what Gates has the biggest. Yeah, uh, buying up land? the farmland and, and, in particular, the water rights. Oh, uh, yeah, and a lot of other things that just seem awfully sneaky. Like uh, uh, GPT Chat Four, he bought that too. Huh. Yeah. yeah, just seems a little odd. Yeah. Farmland, but but uh, you but know. you know, we could also talk about Elon Musk. Yep these these guys that are that are operating at a level. Um, of power and wealth that the likes of you and I, and I guarantee pretty much every person listening to this podcast could not even imagine, um, you know, they have so much power and wealth that uh, Donald Trump will will defer to them, right? Will, uh, you know, he's uh, be intimidated by them. Uh, you know, the, these there is a small subset of people that are just insanely wealthy and powerful and they're able and they seem if so i can only imagine what it must be like uh to be 
the wealthiest man in the world or one of the top. I couldn't, you know, money wouldn't matter. You would go and do whatever you wanted to do, whenever you wanted to do it. Uh, and, um, and so here you are in this world in which everything is your plaything. Um, you can entertain yourself in any way that you might possibly want to go to F- Epstein's Island or whatever it is, you know, that lights your fire, you can do. Um, and no one's going to stop you. Everybody's going to be, you know, oh, yes, sir. Um, can we uh, shine your shoes? And uh, so what What must it be like if you, you know, if you're one of these people and you think you want to do good, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what it might be like to be Bill Gates. Um, and you think that overpopulation and climate change are the biggest threats to the world and you're going to do something about it. And uh, so you're completely out of touch with the reality. You're surrounded by sycophants, right? They'll, they'll tell you yes to whatever it is, whatever whim crosses your mind. And so you say, oh, I think I'm going to cloud seed right. and, and, you know, and, and inject chemicals into the stratosphere. What could possibly go wrong? And Nothing, every, everybody sir. around him, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Oh, what a brilliant idea, <laughs> sir. I'm so glad you said it. Let's get going on it right now. Yeah. What's my budget? Right. right? right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, can it, you send that grant a while? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, the, these guys live in a different world than we do. And, and they don't have to think about the consequences of their actions. They don't really, I don't think they really see human beings in the same way that the likes of you and I do. They, they you know, you, you referred to Iron Man um, as a kind of a metaphor, and I, that was kind of you. But you'll remember that character is just profoundly narcissistic yeah. and egotistical. I didn't mean that toward you. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah, I know yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but but think about the stereotypes right. there. So that's so that's how I see this whole thing about are the jabs there for a depopulation agenda? Um, are they intentionally killing us? Uh, from time to time, it gets hard to argue that they aren't intentionally killing us. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just like what, what they 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 do stuff. When you got meat, that, meat you, coming you, from China, and you don't know what's in that meat, that well, <clears throat> even that. You know, a federal agent once said to me, he said, "When one birdie flies up on my shoulder and says something, I say, okay, how you doing, birdie? When two birdies fly up, huh, that's two birdies." When three birdies fly up, now I know there's something. <laughs> so when I look at, you know, because you don't want to believe it, right? But again, maybe these people, just hypothetically, they did have initially have good attentions. Then you have all this money, power. Yes, 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 your God gift on earth. Well, population control sounds like a good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then... You say, no, no. But then one birdie comes, two birdie comes. In this case, we got about 300 birdies that are on my shoulder with this guy. And it, it's hard not to think so. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's So this gets to, you know, the model of what the heck happened over the last three years, kind of is a segue here. And it's something I put a substack out about, and I used Venn diagrams to do it, and I immediately got attacked <laughs> because Kamala Harris loves Venn diagrams, oh, um, sure and so so uh, so that kind of took the to the punch out of it. But 
but it's the best way I can express it. Um, I think what we've got is an intersection of three big things. One is failure to think, okay? Um, one is in just, you know, process. Think through what could be the consequences if we do this or do that. Everybody's like, we got to do something, right? This COVID crisis is we're going to lose. Everybody's going to die. We're all going to die. Your, your husband's going to die. I'm going to die. Your kids are going to die. We got to do something, right? Um, failure to think. Another one is nefarious scheming. That has absolutely happened. Mm-hmm. There's no question that, that you know, you don't have the largest upward transfer of wealth in the modern history without somebody doing some sneaky stuff, right? Um, nefarious scheming is absolutely something. And then I think we have the unpredictable interaction of complex systems. The world has gotten so complex, so interconnected, that you can't really predict what's going to happen if you poke it with a stick. It's like the hornet's nest, right? You know the hornets are going to swarm. Are they going to bite you or are they going to bite the other guy? You know, whoever runs fastest. Yeah. But, but, you, but you know something's going to happen, but you don't know exactly what it is. And so complex systems. And at the intersection of complex systems and failure to think, okay, we've got... Um, these uh, events like uh, um, uh, the the um, unintended consequences, uh, blowback, those kinds of things, um, and and we also have arbitrary bureaucracy at the intersection of of complex systems and failure to think. We've got a lot of arbitrary bureaucracy stuff going on here. And then at the intersection of nefarious scheming and complex systems and arbitrary bureaucracy, we've got all kinds of corruption that comes out of that, right? And at the intersection of nefarious scheming and, and failure to think, we've absolutely got unintended consequences and blowback. So they all kind of interrelate and the thing that brought it into my into focus in my mind was the words of Hannah Arndt in uh, Eichmann in Jerusalem, which is that the origin of evil is banal. It often comes from people failing to think. And what she was examining was Eichmann in in his trial came across as not an intrinsically evil person. And yet he did some of the most evil things in the history of the 20th century. And what comes out from that trial and from her observations is that Eichmann was basically a bureaucrat. He was doing what he thought he needed to do to advance his status and power and, you know, progress up the ranks within Nazi Germany, just like the people that worked on the trains that carried the Jews to the ovens. Um, worked to make their trains more efficient so that more Jews could be killed because that's what they needed to do for the Nazi state. And we've had a lot of, the, you know, I get I got hit, on, obviously, on Rogan by, for drawing parallels between what happened in Nazi Germany. I'm not saying that these people are Nazis, okay, but, but I'm saying that this dynamic right. of where people in the administrative state are just going about their business from day to day and not thinking about the consequences of what they're doing, whether they're doctors or nurses or administrators or Tony Fauci or whatever. And I'm, maybe I got it wrong on Tony Fauci, but, but for most of them, <laughs> I, think, I think they're just, just doing what they think their job is and not thinking through the consequences that what they're doing is profoundly evil. 
um, they're just going about their day and trying to, you know, make a living and feed their families and gather their pensions and and rise to the top. Yeah. Not not and like you said, not thinking what what is the blowback going to be? And I don't mean getting plummeted like you do or other people. I mean, what is the blowback to the population? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I think what, that's what a reasonable come? hypothesis. That's that's the way I yeah. see it is it's the interaction of the complex world that we live in. Failure to think by a lot of people and nefarious scheming, including particularly by the financial sector. I want to ask you about a lot of your new stuff, but I want to ask, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. So when this whole vaccine thing comes, Trump's in office at the time. Operation War Speed. Okay, so I look at it two ways. And I like the guy. And I'm not red. I'm not purple. I'm not blue. I don't care. I just want what's best, really. Honest to God. Now... What role did Trump have in this? Because there was more than just the mRNA vaccine to choose from. That was chosen. That was pushed. Then I look at the COVID relief package, which I think it was $900 billion and $300 billion of that was stolen through fraud. All you got to do is put American greed on it and you could see half of that right there that was stolen. So to me, it has to be one of two things. And I think one is definitely part of it. Everybody around him was there just to sabotage him. And maybe it was a thing like, yeah, Trump, the uh, mRNA one, that's the one to go with. Blah, blah, blah. I'm your best buddy. Hey, uh, the $900 billion here, give it to me. I can handle it. Remember, I worked with you for 20 years in New York. And then they, they sabotage that. And then they can use that against him. Or was he in, in it with, with not as far as like a Gates, but involved in the whole weird stuff? So I'm going to rephrase that. Sure. Um, I'm sure you can is, do a lot is, is, <laughs> Well, no, because this I'm is sure. something I have to think about, too. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I talk to a lot of people about it. I think what you're posing is the paradox of how do you distinguish between incompetence and nefarious scheming? Mm-hmm. Okay. And was, was Trump basically duped? Was he a stooge? Was he incompetent? Or was he in some way involved in uh, making hay while the sun shines? Mm-hmm. Um, or some mixture of the two? Because it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It could be both. Right. Um, uh, and how much of the decision-making was actually Trump and how much of it was delegated to Jared Kushner? Mm. And that's kind of the way I hear that from talking to people um, like Navarro and others that were there, um, is uh, it was a very dynamic environment. Uh, Trump absolutely was the one that declared that there would be a whole of DOD response. Okay? So that's what set loose the Psy Wars, the PsyOps, um, DOD, uh, that's that's what uh, set up the use of the other um, transactional authority contract mechanism to acquire these things, something that's only supposed to use for prototypes, not for full products. Um, uh, uh, that that uh, DOD was were the managers for Operation Warp Speed, at least for Moderna, for sure. Because I know the guy who was head of project management for that, I had mentored him before during the Ebola outbreak. Um, and he came and talked to me about some of the things that he 
experienced when he was serving as project manager. Um, so, uh, and then the, particularly the Brownstone Institute, um, kind of citizen journalists have done an awesome job tracking back kind of gradually nibbing, nibbling away and away and away and tracking the series of events that happened having to do with the importation of the China solution through the national security apparatus down into our whole national security state, including homeland security, uh, and the role of, of um, uh, Deborah Burke's lobbying um, with a, a Asian woman from the CDC who uh, was uh, Matthew Pottinger's uh, wife, um, and he was sitting um, in National Security Council and, um, and also receiving intelligence from China directly from sources. And uh, the one who is the primary advocate for the masking and lockdown policies um, and he got Burks appointed um, after she lobbied his wife uh, to head up that group um, uh, that, you know, Fauci was on. And, and it's all an in crowd because, you know, for instance, just to illustrate, um, Deborah Burks was Tony Fauci's postdoc. Hmm. Okay. Um, so they're all, they're all tight as ticks with each other. They're all tied together. Yeah. And, um, uh, and Burks has strong ties with Department of Defense because she ran their AIDS vaccine program for years. Isn't that some so? So it's all this this interlocking in group that uh, was brought in, even though they weren't really qualified. None of those people were epidemiologists, for instance. Remember the Great Barrington Declaration, yeah. where Fauci and Collins <laughs> basically did a smackdown on three of the top academic epidemiologists in the world, yeah. right? The top um, three. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, arguably, and Tony is not educated. He's not trained. He's not. Doesn't have an MPH. He's not an epidemiologist. But, and neither does Francis Collins. But they did this smackdown on him because all they were doing was advocating for standard rational policy that had been, a, you know, developed over decades in public health for how to respond to something like this. Um, you know, so how I. There's, there's so. This is the what the book uh, "Lies My Government Told Me" was is yeah. all about. Is, well, five times so. is um, trying to run down all these rabbit holes and figure out what really went on here, what went on there, and yeah. So thanks for that. Of course, um, of course. Uh, I got some good. I have some good segues too. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, Trump. I think it's a combination of. Uh, him being in on some things and him being misled or managed on other things. So Scott Atlas tells this story about how he was brought in and he was going to talk to Trump directly and there was going to be a meeting between him. So another academic that was brought in to, to provide a second voice uh, to counterbalance this in-group club uh, of group thinkers that had all come together. 
um, and were basically covering up for each other completely. You know, they were. It was more important to stay part of that in group than it was to do the right thing. That way, you have both ends of the story. Yeah. So he brought. So he brought Scott Atlas in, and they. There's documentation. They intentionally conspired among themselves so that they would not be in D.C. at the time when Scott Atlas was here. So they couldn't all be called into the White House to talk to Trump at the same time in the presence of Scott Atlas. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just all kinds of bureaucratic trickery going on all the way through this thing that is, as somebody who spent years in D.C., and, and, you know, I have people, detractors say that tell me, oh, you're just a politician. You're just wanting to advance politics, you know, and, and build a political career. I'm like, hell no. I don't want to spend time have in D.C. I hate D.C. I would right. call you personally and say, I hate to bother you and your wife, but Malone, politics, what are you, nuts? Yeah, Did you exactly. fall off your horse? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's just like, shoot me now. Yeah, why, you why, would well. you, why would you want to live that life? But so um, there, D.C. culture is ugly. It is really twisted. And people are insanely competitive with each other. They care more about advancing their careers than they care about the nation. And that's why we're in such a hot mess is they're all busy squabbling over who's going to get the most money and the most status and the most power and, you know, all the way up the food chain. And they don't care about running the country and, and you know, observing the and complying with the Constitution. And all those things are like they treat it as if you're naive if you if you think about those things and you care about those things. You know what? What's with you? You know, don't you get it? Don't you get that this is all about grabbing as much as you can, um, you know, as, as quickly as possible so that you can go buy, I don't know, an island in the Canaries or whatever the hell it is that you're a boat in the Mediterranean, whatever it is that you're going to, you know. Own a $100,000 salary somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. That's another thing. That's another story. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, so what happened with Trump? Uh, clearly, um, he was bamboozled. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, and and how much of that bamboozling was Kushner? And remember that Kushner and Ivanka are all in on the World Economic Forum crowd. Mm. You know, that's that's their swim lane. That's um, right. <clears throat> and after reading some of your Substack, that seems very interesting. Yeah. So that's there's 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 no question, even though the Anti-Defamation League is calling me a conspiracy theorist for talking about fifth generation warfare and um, uh, the deep state or, or administrative state and the uniparty, that's that's my sins now. Um, it, we've moved beyond anti-vaxxer um, to conspiracy oh, theorist. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> You're a conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shave your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code MSCSMedia for 20% off and free shipping. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a monster of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. No more messing around in drawers, this color one, that color one, all with one guard. Plus it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower and avoid all that hair in the sink. 
The pro kit doesn't end there, though. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember your hair is different. Next, Manscaped's beard oil. Top it off with beard balm. The pro kit also comes with three different gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code MSCSmedia at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code MSCSmedia. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Link is in the description below. This episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. Because because I because I talk about these things that we all talk about. We all know they're there. We can see them, interact with them. We see them being deployed on a daily basis. Yeah. But uh, this is another one of these things we're not allowed to talk about. But uh, yeah, the, this World Economic Forum has infiltrated, and they brag about it. Um, most of the Five Eyes nations, you know, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, for sure, mm-hmm. and the United States. And Mr. Biden seems to be all in on it. I mean, to Mr. Trump's uh, credit, he basically told a lot of those guys to, to go rocks. take a walk. Ah. Yeah. Um, and pulled us out of the World Health Organization and started making noise about the UN and uh, about people in NATO carrying their own weight and all those kinds of things. At the time, a lot of us thought, oh, what's this guy? He's just a loose cannon. He's just shooting at everything. But then in retrospect, we look back and we're like, yeah. I actually thought it was a great <laughs> idea at the time. Yeah. I, I was, you know, I, I actually liked the guy. I think his policy was good. I just. I never understood this part, and I never understood why now, you know, being that they're trying to throw them in the can over uh, basically a non-disclosure agreement. I mean, come on. But whatever. I just don't understand all the press he gets, and I'm not, like, taking—I like him again. But why never on the 10,000 press that you do say, hey, uh, you know, this vaccine is really not the greatest thing? You're talking about Trump's position. He will yeah. not back down on that. I know. I know. From friends that know him, if he makes a decision that this is the best bottle of water and we all croak, he'll never come out. You know, he's just built like that. So maybe that's the reason for that one. I don't know what it is, but it's it's not. Um, it's a problem for him politically. I'm absolutely positive about it. And I like, you know, there's a lot of people that, that support him in a lot of different ways uh, in in. You know, I write in the book. I support uh, a lot of the policies like Schedule F that he tried to put in place. Yeah. It could have really made a difference. And um, but on this particular thing of the jabs, uh, he's he's behind the curve in a big way, and it's it's snowballing now in Europe and particularly Australia. The the information's coming out. The the sneaky stuff that was done here by pharma is coming out and like the other day um tom finton on judicial watch i don't know if you track judicial watch sometimes so he came out with a a piece um consequent to freedom of information act which Mm. is a lot of what they do is foias um that revealed that there was an agreement between the united states government and the british government to suppress information about adverse events about the vaccines what year was this 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 came this this was disclosed like a month and a half ago. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so there has been 
you know, how, what else do you call it? A conspiracy between different governments uh. to suppress informed consent so that people don't know the true risks that they're encountered, that they would encounter if they accept this product under the logic that we got to get this damn thing into everybody's arm at least twice, if not four times, right, um, uh, to save the world, when in fact it would never be able to save the world if the world even needed saving from this. I mean, we've all, you know, we've all experienced, I don't think there's a person left in the United States that hasn't been infected with COVID at some point in time. If I, I don't think I got it, but if I last did. Last week. <clears throat> did you think we had it last week? I think week? last week. If I got it, I don't know that I got it. Yeah, maybe, the, maybe the modern strains, the modern strains, people just shrug off. Yeah, and even... Even before, I mean, I don't know. I was remember we were talking about how we were raised. Shit, no how how sick I was. My grandpa, get your ass out of bed right now. Yeah. We have football practice. Yeah, so it yeah. didn't matter. You know, the the, the question uh, I have, we when we spoke yesterday. Um, so I have friends who their their kids got the the vaccine, and now they're regretting that decision. Um, unfortunately, or for you know, and I tried to warn them. Is <laughs> So, yeah. you know, we see we see people that have dropped dead, right? Kids, too, just dropped yeah. dead. Um, and you just had Ed Dowd on, who's yeah. one of the and, world's expert in tracking that. And that's, yeah. what, that's what we were talking about with him. And I, million. and I said, is there a way uh, now? And I know some people are affected differently than others. Um, Tommy, we've heard uh, Tommy's probably going to bring it up. But we heard about possibly batches that were left out in heat or not transport it properly that may have saved people's lives because it it ruined whatever the vaccine if that's true or not i don't know and then if your kid did get the vaccine is there a is there another thing out there that you can almost flush that out or does that just stay within your body for a so it's a great time? question and another one that i get all the time uh the pseudouridine modified mRNA seems to stick in people's bodies for um, weeks to months, and it may be six months or more in some cell types. Okay, and once that's in there, it doesn't seem to get degraded in a normal way. Uh, so I don't know anything that I could say to you, and and I get attacked for that. I'm not at the bench trying to figure out right now <laughs> some way to that, counteract that, that we could give a medicine to somebody that would make it so that the mRNA would get degraded. I don't know the, the chemically what could be done. I don't know what the, even conceptually what that answer might be. However, um, absolutely the, the levels of spike protein that are produced with the jabs are higher than the levels that are produced with natural infection. And spike protein absolutely is a toxin one of the there's a recent article out even that it's neurotoxic it, it damages brain cells okay so this may be one of the big causes of the brain fog um, and so it damages a variety of different pathways cell types it is absolutely a toxin so if the if the bad thing if the RNA is a bad thing but we don't know what to do about it but the spike protein that it makes is absolutely a bad thing can we do anything about that mm. So uh, Paul Merrick at FLCCC, and I'm not part of FLCCC. I don't get any money from FLCCC. <laughs> They're a nonprofit. Okay, all of that stuff. There's no grifting here. Can you believe you even okay? have to say that nowadays? I, I totally have to say it. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. Uh, so in any case, uh, Paul Merrick, one of the most brilliant um, diagnostic therapists for intensive care in the, in, in, um, in the present, 
um, uh, who was attacked and censored and kicked out of his hospital and blah, blah, blah for ivermectin, uh, together with Pierre Corey, has come up with a recovery protocol. And I had been dogging it um, with my long COVID and post-vaccination syndrome and had poor stamina and other things. And uh, Brooke Miller, the, my physician who actually is the rancher that's having this uh, beef initiative that I talked about uh, at his farm um, next week, uh, put me on Paul Merrick's recovery protocol. And uh, also told me that I had to stop being a vegetarian and start eating meat. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely going on a carnivore diet because um, I'm getting too much of a sugar load and I'm pre-diabetic. Wow. Um, so, so I did all these things and I have more energy that I've had in three years. I'm, I'm really I'm back to working on the farm, doing chores, feeling good. My wife remarks about how I have more stamina. Don't go there. Um, <laughs> good for uh, you. I told you, you Iron Man. I told him, I told you. Uh, but, uh, it's so the FLCCC recovery protocol is the best one that I'm aware of. There may be others and there's, uh, stuff, there's active research going on right now. Um, unfortunately, very little of it has funding because the government won't even acknowledge that there are adverse events. And so they can't fund research to try to address the adverse events. So you have all these people that are vaccine damaged that don't, don't have any place to go. They don't have any treatment. This is one of the major tragedies all over the world. I'm going to be speaking in Brussels, I think two or three weeks from now. I'm in testifying in the European parliament about this. And this is one of the things that the, the kind of dissenter group within the European Parliament is focused on is that we have to acknowledge the damage that's been done to people and we have to provide some pathway to make them whole. Uh, whether, you know, compensation, treatment, or whatever, they have to be recognized as vaccine damaged and they have to be um, compensated. And there's, there's multiple nations now that are starting to put compensation programs in place. You know, our our government is still in denial. The other day, I had I don't know if you know Matt Schlapp. Does this name mean anything to you? <clears throat> it sounds familiar, Matt. So Merce, Mercy Slap used to be a, a Fox News broadcaster, and Matt and Mercedes, a couple, they live about fifteen minutes north of me on their farm in Virginia, are the people behind CPAC. They're the drivers, and the that managers of CPAC, okay? Mm -hmm. So Matt has been using my new little studio lately, and he was over the other day, and um, we were talking about this. He said that in CPAC Australia, which he just came back from relatively recently, he was stunned at how pissed off the Aussies were about their public policies during the COVID crisis. As you know, they, they had these lockdowns and quarantines and the policemen beating people up if they wouldn't isolate and all that kind of stuff. You'd get arrested right. if you they, traveled they too far. all put them in like a room and say, hey, look, you're <clears> staying <throat> in this, not a room, but you know, you're staying, you're all staying in this area and not leaving for such and such. Yeah, it's just yeah. wicked what, what went on. And um, now they're, they're finally pissed off. Good. And so Matt said, uh, he hasn't written it up yet, but he wants to write an essay about what he saw. He said that the, his comment was, the Australian government has been overthrown because of all the people that are pissed off right now. And our press isn't covering any of that. Uh, but, you know, I know you're shocked. Yeah. Um, but uh, what's particularly fascinating about that is there's some really high net worth individuals in Australia 
that see, I think, in part, this is a major political opportunity, and they are spinning up major legal teams to hammer on the TGA, which is their FDA equivalent, and the government to get disclosure of these documents, including the contracts with, that were signed with Pfizer, etc., mm-hmm. and try to force this out into the open so that we'll know what actually happened. And I think that there's a chance that we're going to get you know, discovery, if you understand the legal process. Yeah. We're going to get, get documents for, from discovery in Australia that are going to be applicable globally that may well blow this thing open because there has been absolutely a lot of nefarious stuff going on. That's that, the first positive thing I've heard about this since this whole <laughs> thing started because if that dis- I know full well what a discovery is. Once that's out, boy, whew. Well, there was a partial effort at discovery with Jeff Landry at the attorney general's lawsuit against uh, the federal government and Google over the censorship stuff and the collusion. I love to see that that discovery. Well, yeah, what happened? So this was fascinating. Um, Fauci was put on the stand, sworn testimony. And I forget, it was hundreds of instances of him claiming that he had forgotten. Okay? So he would not answer the question again and again and again, saying that he had a memory lapse. I had to turn it off because I knew if that was me, I'd be writing to you. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's the, the big problem here in the States is is a lot of these guys are pretty sneaky, and they, they are covering their tracks really good. Can you pull up uh, Dr. Malone's uh, post from today? Yep. We'll go through that. And what were we going to say, Rob? Well, the only other thing, Doctor, what about the— is there any truth that some of these vaccines were left out or in a hot place or not refrigerated in time So there's no way to know. Some lives? It's it's absolutely possible. Impossible. And and the other thing that's uh so there's this whole graphene oxide story, right? Graphene oxide is a byproduct of anything that burns carbon. Hmm. Okay? And so if you turn an electron microscope on uh, material, carbon-based material, and you turn up the amplitude too high, right. you will get graphene oxide because you're going to burn that sample. Um, there are absolutely crystals that have formed in some of these vials. Huh. Um, and the question is, what are those crystals? And so there's a group in Austria working together with Ryan Cole that has used something called Raman spectroscopy, which is non-destructive, that's characterized these crystals. They appear to be cholesterol cholesterol crystals, because cholesterol is absolutely in the formulations to make the lipid membranes more fluid. Actually, I think we published on that first um, in the 90s. Okay, so cholesterol is in there. You're getting cholesterol crystals. That seems to be what people are seeing, and that's happening probably when vials are not being handled properly and they're allowed to warm up. So uh, absolutely, these things are hypersensitive to storage conditions, and what you're talking about is uh, cold chain problems, which are notorious uh, and very difficult to track unless you have the technology that is in the in the packaging um, that uh, traces the temperature excursions um, of of that particular box or set of vials. Is it possible if it was at the wrong temperature for that vaccine or at a higher temperature that it may have actually helped people? It's absolutely possible that it would cause these um, all kinds of of alterations in the formulation Mm -hmm. that could make it so that it was no longer effective 
at delivering the mRNA. And the problem is that sometimes when you get large aggregates like this, they can actually become more toxic oh, uh, in the short term. So that would be a short-term toxicity. So, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things that can happen. And the problem with all of this is that Pfizer and Moderna executed contracts with nations all over the world in which they insisted on language that basically said, um, your regulatory affairs group will not do what we call um, lot release testing. They won't sample the vials that we're shipping you to make sure that they have the identity, purity, um, activity, potency, um, and they're not adulterated uh, in the way that normally they would do anytime they received a foreign medicine that was brought into the country. They insisted, the, the, the manufacturers insisted that these tests not be done. When they do a, what's it called, an HPCL test? H and a, HPLC. A HLPC and then an MS something test? That's mass spec. Mass spectrum test when they do that on yeah. something like so, that? So high-performance liquid chromatography and mass spec are two of the types of assays that's that you I would said. do yeah, that's on, on, these, on these types of samples that would typically be done by an independent laboratory right. working for the government. Okay, There's another thing that has just come out that is even more problematic and worrisome. But unfortunately, one of the things is that the, by contract, they prohibit the governments from allowing, and, and third parties, physicians that happen to have these vials, et cetera, from allowing those vials to be tested in any way, okay? And so um, you cannot get a clear chain of custody, which is what you would need legally to assess a a vial or a sample of vials because you're prohibited through contract from doing that. But still some people have acquired vials that were partially used or, or you know, physician, wink, wink, nod, nod, here it is, go test it. Um, and one of the things that's most worrisome is they're finding very significant levels of DNA contamination. DNA plasmid from bacteria is what's used to make the RNA. And particularly, so, so people have acquired these vials, done deep sequencing, characterized the DNA that's in there, and assembled those sequences to demonstrate the, the, the physical structure, the maps of these plasmids that are in those vials as contaminating DNA, which isn't absolutely not supposed to be there, okay? They're supposed to all be degraded, purified away. There's not supposed to be any DNA in there. Okay, so that's what we call an adulterant, technically, in, in, in pharmaceutical uh, regulatory affairs. So these, these vials seem to be adulterated with DNA, not just with RNA. And so this gets to the whole integration, uh, genomic modification thing. And apparently the, the plasmids, which is what these circular DNAs are called, they're manufactured in bacteria and then used to make the RNA, for the bivalent vaccines have simian virus 40 sequences in them. Simian, and they are potentially replication competent in animal cells, okay? So SV40 is a known uh, viral contaminant of some of the early polio vaccine lots because it, it is present in some of the African green monkey kidney cells that are used to manufacture polio vaccine. And uh, SV40 
got into the human population, apparently with the polio vaccines, that's the theory, um, and is many, many researchers believe and have developed data suggesting that, that SV40 plays a role in many human cancers. So we seem to have SV40 sequences and plasmid DNA contaminating these vials, and that's just breaking. That's come out over the last couple of months, and no one is talking about it right now, certainly nobody in the press. Um, and, uh, the, and the FDA is, as usual, playing this, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, speak on no evil. Yeah. Well, so much for the guy. I thought I liked to stop at the truck stop for an hour just to, you know, whatever. <laughs> they killed a couple of the vaccines now. Wow, that's that. Yeah, yeah. That so, so it's that's your your stuff. question about um, cold chain and contamination and purity and integrity and potency and adulteration is a whole huge can of worms that's yet to be really disclosed and characterized. In part because the the way I see it, whoever pushed all the fear porn, and you know, was pharma involved in that? I don't know, okay? But but a lot of fear porn was pushed early on. Remember, we're all going to die. Oh, People yeah. are dying in the streets in Wuhan, you know, yeah. all that. They um, got hazmat suits on. Yeah, which we now know was all propaganda, right. okay? But all of this scare, scare, scare that was pushed um, basically created an environment in which governmental leaders were faced with a paradox. If we don't do something... We're going to have a revolt. Our people are going to go crazy with fear. That's all this fear being promoted. Okay, so we've got to do something. Uh, and along comes pharma, and they say, we can take away your pain. We can, we can mitigate your risk. This is the best thing since sliced bread. Tony Fauci says so. Um, and who are you going to believe? Oh, right? And uh, <laughs> so, so we, can, we can mitigate your risk, your political mm. risk. If you buy our product, but it comes with some strings, you're going to have to pay a lot for it and you're not going to be able to test it or characterize it. And you're going to have to completely indemnify us because otherwise we won't sell it to you. That was the terms, basically. And in order to guarantee for many of these contracts, in order to guarantee that you don't break your agreement. Okay. Can we um, hear this one? They, they insisted that many of these nation states would forfeit national assets like Holy harbors shit. or or um wow or airports it goes way bigger than bigger okay so so that's that's kind of they <laughs> they did this thing where they said um boogie 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 right um and then uh wow. we're, we can we can fix your problem and but. keep you from having civil unrest you got to buy our stuff and jab it into everybody um, and it's going to solve your problem. You're not going to have the thing cu- killing people. It's And we now know all that was a lie, right? But it worked fantastically. They made huge, huge profits. They sold a ton of this stuff. It's like over 3 billion doses that have been administered of these RNA vaccines. What's not to like if you're Pfizer or Moderna, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get to this. I asked out and, and uh, he, you know, he, he, I'm a stock guy, you know, great guy. So in 86, they put out that law that if a, say a Pfizer, they come out with a vaccine, you can't indict them for the vaccine. Now, now here in, in 23, does that law still stand? Yeah. It still stands. So this is one of the things. So you'll recall one of the, here as we sit, 
a couple of weeks ago, um, Congress passed a bill saying that the corona crisis was going to be over. And uh, the president signed it. And everybody said, you know, basically, is that all? You know? <laughs> Suddenly it's over, right? Yeah, right. All of okay. a sudden after nine boosters. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... um, but the emergency use authorization is comes under a separate act. So even though he he um, terminated the state of medical emergency, that did not terminate the emergency use authorization and all the things that go with that, with with the drugs and with the vaccines and everything else. So that's still all in place. None of that has changed. Okay. In other words, he and, did not. And so as a consequence, those layers, because it's literally layers and layers of indemnification, are still preserved. Jeez. Okay. And also... The, the, to the extent that the jabs are still available in the United States. And, you know, in many, like Switzerland is no longer um, circulating them, right? I saw your, your uh, post yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, which I was fact-checked on, but it turns out I was right and they were wrong. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so all over the world, particularly in Europe, and apparently Europe is starting to catch fire. People are pissed, not, not just Australia about what's been done. That's where I'm going to, to testify. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, you know, all, all over the world, people are shutting this down. But here in the United States, we're still pushing it. We're still putting in the childhood vaccine schedule, these emergency use authorized products. Got to get that um, last if buck. You, if you, and you got to, you know, you got to jab your kids if they're going to go to school yeah. and all that kind of stuff is still in play. And one of the little tricks they're doing is that, like the universities, most of the universities have dropped the mandates. <laughs> um, but then for extracurricular sports, like in high school and stuff, they're still requiring it, yeah. right? And so your kid is still faced, even if they're not forced by the school nurse, um, they're forced in order to go to... Uh, basketball. The, yeah, basketball or or the, you know, the world um, finals for chess or whatever oh, look they what they did uh with tennis the best tennis right. player on the planet right right yeah you know. speaking of that on sports do you think that i'm, I'm you've seen the that football player that demar hamlin he got hit you right. know hit the, the thing and then he got up and then he collapsed in your opinion do you think that was mito whatever they call it i can't say the word like the heart hit the jolt to the heart, or do you think there's possibility that it had something to do with uh, if he? So it was fascinating that when he finally recovered, Demar Hamlin would not address this. He skirted around it. He was asked about it directly, and he basically said no comment. Right? Um, the hmm. uh, this hmm. this precordial um, compression event that you're talking about. I looked at those films. A lot of people looked at those films. Um, he had on, you know, full pads which means he's got a, a, chest a chest plate protector. And he got hit with a glancing blow from the other guy's shoulder, okay? So it just doesn't fit. The whole thing doesn't fit that explanation that was pushed out at us immediately. And do I think that there's a good chance that he was an example of somebody who basically had a sudden death but then was revived? Um, you know, that he might have had cardiac damage? It's it's absolutely conceivable, and we have no data. What I did, so I was asked, because um, a number of people got attacked right after that for saying things, um, and I was brought on uh, various, uh, Charlie Kirk and others, uh, to talk about it, and my position was, look, let's give this guy and his family a little respect yeah. um, and let him sort it out 
and uh, not invade their lives. I've become a little sensitive to what it's like having the press. Being um, invaded? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, let's give this guy some space. And then we did. You know, he, he went through this, and then um, and then he wouldn't comment. And so I think we just have to say that's just a mystery that's unresolved. But Ed Dowd's data clearly show that there is a major surge in excess all-cause mortality. It's not just Ed. It's coming from all over the world. And uh, that's a tragedy. I mean, that, that people weren't allowed to have informed consent. They weren't allowed to know the data about their own risk. That the governments, as I cited this uh, earlier in our conversation, this uh, disclosure from Judicial Watch, that uh, there was an agreement between the U.S. and the U.K. to suppress information about the adverse events um, between our governments. That's just wrong. That's deeply morally wrong. It's hard to—the word for that is evil. It is evil to do that to people, to suppress information about the risks of a unlicensed novel medical procedure and technology uh, because it would cause vaccine hesitancy— that's their rationale. I mean, the circular logic blows my mind. Okay, so um, Malone has to be suppressed, uh, like is we're talking about here with the CDC funding cyber stalkers, right? Malone has to be attacked. Mary Talley Baldwin has to be attacked. Peter Corey has to be attacked. Paul Merrick has to be attacked. Um, anybody that says anything about the potential risks of the vaccine has to be attacked because otherwise people would be hesitant about taking the vaccine if they knew what the risks were. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Meanwhile, back yeah. at the ranch, you put on the TV and you got, there's a minute commercial and 90 seconds of the, the one minute is the side effects. But this particular one, we can't say anything about it. I have, you know, before in the beginning, if you said ivermectin and I had Roger Stone in, so you know him, every other word was, you know, yeah, I could. (laughs) Salty. (laughs) Salty, very salty. And uh, Charlie Kirk, we had him in. He's a a great guy. guy. Yeah, great guy. Really great guy. But, uh, you know, how do you, and we're not talking about like, hey, uh, Dr. Malone, if you take this, your pinky might hurt for a week. You know, yeah, so yeah. we shove it under the rug. You know, no, yeah. you're. This is me saying you're a football player. You've been hit by in that spot a million times. It's just a little odd. So the yeah. the one the thing that really bothers me the most right now about what's happened since we last spoke mm-hmm. is uh, this um, James O'Keefe uh, um, kind of. Uh, uh, how do I'm trying to think of the nice way to say this? Uh, <laughs> let's call it a honey trap. There you go. Uh, that that uh, he deployed on this okay. young uh, Pfizer executive who was global director for mRNA vaccine strategy. Okay, I can tell you, having been in pharma, you don't get to be a global director three years out of medical school. Having I was, dropped, I was going to say overnight, but yeah, it was pretty darn close <laughs> yeah. to overnight, right? right. Um. And uh, so this guy gets uh, in this honey trap and he starts talking and obviously they managed to surreptitiously video him. And the, the press totally, well, they overlooked the whole thing, but in particular, everybody took a whiff on these statements. It was like in the third disclosure um, from Project Veritas. So it kind of got lost in all the churn. 
But the guy starts talking about the uh, dysmenorrhea, the menstrual irregularities and the reproductive impacts. Okay. And um, he acknowledges, you remember the CDC said, oh, no, 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 that isn't happening at all. Yeah. And then eventually they said, well, yeah, sort of, uh, blah, 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 and, you know. Um, so, so this guy comes out and he says, uh, Pfizer believes that it's true. And furthermore, he says, he thinks that they think, and they're not investigating it, but their leading guess, hypothesis for what's going on is that the products are damaging the, this is his words, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal gonadal axis. Okay, those are a bunch of big words. What they mean is the endocrine system. Okay. Oh, shit. He's, he's saying that Pfizer's leading explanation for the damage to women that's causing them to have these menstrual irregularities is that it's damaging their endocrine system. In particular, when he says hypothalamic pituitary, he's talking about the, 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 the drivers in your brain right. that control your endocrine system, okay, are being uh-huh. damaged by these products. That's his statement. Right. Representing that's Pfizer's leading hypothesis. Okay. And the thing about that is that if that's the case, that isn't just happening in women. That's happening in women. It's happening in men. It's happening in children. I mean, think about this. Think about your three year old or your five year old or your eight year old or your pre pubertal girl, right, who is taking these products and they're mandated by their schools and they're damaging their endocrine system at a key time when they're developing. It is mind-boggling that this would be just treated casually. Wow. And if you don't know what the pituitary gland is, not that I'm a doctor, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that kind of controls a lot of everything. Yeah. As, yeah. Especially when you're developing. Yeah. Holy it's shit. it's it's like your drive state, your energy, everything. Motivation, is, is, yeah. mood. Yeah. Wow. That's nice to know. Well, you know, and before we get just yeah, another so thing you, I you, So you, that makes you the genius because you didn't take the darn things, right? No. Hell no. <laughs> no. No. Absolutely not. No, I walked around with no mask on. I'm not, I was, whatever. You, you anti-social grandmother killer. I, I did. <clears throat> and I would have somebody in and they would call me a week later and say, I have COVID. Oh. Okay, whatever. What am I gonna do? Get sick? I don't care. You know, I'll do. Well, you you have like no body fat. You're in good health. Yeah, I run a lot. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, but we had a, uh, you know, not to get into his whole thing, but we had a uh, Dr. Kirk Moore on. They indicted him because, uh, the, you know, who I'm talking about. It's I. It's odd. Whichever way it goes, it's just interesting to tell you. So he was a plastic surgeon. That's what he did. He was known for breast. Mm-hmm. Like one of the big, the best breast guy. Wish I would have known that ten years ago before I went to Kim Kardashian's guy for my ex-wife. But anyway, <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy-drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will, too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon. Buy on Walmart. Or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast. Monster Energy. That's another story that turned to hell. But uh, anyway, so this guy, for whatever reason, mothers are coming into his clinic. And 
you know, five, six, seven, right? Eight-year-old kids that they have, they're like, hey, you know, I don't want to give him the thing, but he can't go to school if he if he doesn't. So the government indicted him, like full indicted him, you know, 10, 12-year oh. gig for Writing taking exemptions. $50 to give a card ah. that was given to charity. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he said he did it. I'm just saying what was in the yeah. indictment. And I just had a good conversation with him. And uh, I just felt that that was an interesting thing that a mom's going in pleading, please help. You know, I, I, my kid can't go to school. I don't have the money for private school, right. you know. Right. And that's a, a real messed up bind that you get into. Yeah. And then some of the other deaths, uh, we had, I had a friend and a good friend. And, you know, in California, and this all relates to these assholes, with the lockdown, you could go to a strip club. But my friend's best friend was a schizo, uh, schizophrenia. He didn't know it. You know, he was always on his medicine. He couldn't go to his doctor to get his medicine, blew his head off. Just little things that, that, that add to just icing on a kid. Yeah, yeah. The cumulative all-cause mortality. Accum- yeah, yeah, just multifactorial. Nuts. So the post that you put up, with, yeah. which, which this is just even wilder. Like I thought the other things I had to ask you was wilder from Substack. Holy shit. So take us through this one. So uh, the Epic Times, if you scroll down, um, uh, recently published this little article, CDC Partners, and it's the most benign uh, headline you could possibly come up with. Partners with Social and Behavior Change Initiative to Silence Vaccine Hesitancy. Now, what they really did um, is, number one, the CDC and the NIH have nonprofits that they've set up that are essentially backdoor opportunities for pharma or other influencers, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, BlackRock, whomever, to funnel money into the CDC or the NIH and create basically a slush fund that they can use to spend any way they want because it's outside of Congress. Congress hasn't appropriated that money. And so this is what funded the active trials at NIH was the NIH Foundation. And here what the CDC did through the CDC Foundation that rakes in billions, okay, from all kinds of big guns, and I put the links in there that you can go see who's funding it, um, now, Rob. is they, is they um, uh, did a deal where they hired a company to uh, um, called, let's see, what's it called? PHCC, Public Health Communications Collaborative, okay, funded by the CDC Foundation, which then hired these other companies that basically set up cyberstalking operations, okay? And so what they would do is they would, uh, these, these subcontractors would um, uh, gather people on social media that um, and, and assemble them as a team to attack those that the this contractor deemed were spreading misinformation about COVID policies, the jab, whatever. And then they would basically put out an email to the, all these people. Um, so this is like flash mob, right? They would, they would essentially build a flash mob of, of names, a mailing list. This is being used by all kinds of people on the internet right now. This is absolutely one of the fifth generation warfare strategies that's being deployed. You build a, sm- a flash mob, and then you send out an email message saying, attack this person, they've said that. 
okay? And then these people all congregate, the gang stock, uh, physicians, or whoever's identified as having said something that's unacceptable. And then they all write to Twitter at the same time and complain about the given post. And they'll write to the medical boards and try to get that person kicked off, et cetera, et cetera. This is stalking. Yeah, right there's the code. This is, this is absolutely stalking that is federally funded. And so this buddy of mine, Mary Tally Baldwin, who's one of the major focuses, and by the way, these are the, this is the strategy and the people that claim credit for getting me quick kicked off of Twitter. Okay. And it's cited directly. They, Epic Times apparently has screenshots showing these people bragging about what they're doing. Mary Tally Baldwin is, is a, um, this woman in Texas that I've known. She's an ENT um, specialist, uh, trained at Stanford, absolutely oh, top wow. drawer. Yeah. And, uh, and because she gave ivermectin um, and didn't advise people to get the jabs, she was run out of, of Southern Methodist um, Hospital. And this big court case is against her, and they've tried to take her license and all kinds of stuff. These are the people that did it. Wow. Okay? Um, so, so we've got a situation in which the federal government is using this kind of a black money, this surreptitious donated money, to hire companies to basically aggressively attack people on social media and stalk them and try to get their licenses taken, try to get them kicked off social media, et cetera, for, and this is the kicker. I don't know if we went over this last time, the meaning of misinformation. So if you look on my Wikipedia page or in the uh, Anti-Defamation League attack piece that they just put out about me and Steve Kirsch and Joe McCullough, um, uh, they say that I'm a spreader of misinformation. So what is misinformation, okay? Because it's been weaponized, right? It sounds so ominous, right? Oh, my God, that person spreads misinformation. Ah, I can't have anything to do with them, right? Um, what it means is you say things, you've said things that are different from the approved narrative. So if you say something different from what the CDC or the WHO is saying at that particular time, then you are guilty of misinformation. If you do so for a political purpose— you know, I want to get Bobby Kennedy elected. Not, I'm not endorsing Bobby Kennedy, but I'm just using it as an example, okay? That I want to say stuff about vaccines because it advances Bobby Kennedy's candidacy. So that would be for political purposes. That's disinformation. And malinformation is any information which is true or false, doesn't matter, if it causes people to question the federal government. That's malinformation. Oh, and yeah. Department of Homeland Security, and I have the link right there in this thing, has defined all three of those as domestic terrorism. What? Okay? So if, if, you said, if you say things, as I have all the way through for the last three years, you say things that are different from the approved narrative from WHO and CDC, which we now know was a bunch of bunk. There it is. That's the National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin. Holy from February of 2022, that defines, if you scroll down, uh, mis, dis, or malinformation introduced and or amplified by foreign or domestic threat actors, that would be me, um, is defined as terrorism. Holy shit. What? Yeah. Wow. And, and so now the CDC is basically using a subcontractor. <laughs> and remember, there's no trial here. You know, right. they, they, you're, they just you're say, guilty. they just say, yeah, yeah they just say you're guilty. Well, the, the apparently the, the thing that adjudicates the truth here are the fact checkers. 
right? And if the fact checkers agree that you've spread misinformation, <laughs> you're guilty of, and I can show you example after example of fact checkers claiming that I'm spreading misinformation when in fact they're the ones that were wrong, okay? There's a Business Insider piece that's a fun one to read that came out right after the Rogan hit. Um, and every single thing they accuse me of, turns out I was right and they were wrong. But it doesn't matter because if you say things that are different from the approved narrative at that point in time, then you're guilty of misinformation. You are a domestic terrorist. And the CDC apparently feels justified in sicking their social media dogs on you to crowd to crowd stock you and um uh you know cyber stock and attack when we had talked about it before we we started live i thought okay you know they got an army they send a campaign they bash you but fucking sorry but terrorists like terrorists like yeah well and and this this thing about and then the cdc is involved in cyber stalking is People, people are like, oh, yeah, so they just defame you. You know, they've only got 30,000 or 80,000 followers. Who cares? You know, you've got over a million followers. Who cares about this? The thing is, it's I get it day after day after day from about six different people, okay, that, that I'm the latest. Somebody's accusing me of being FBI. <clears throat> they've accused me of being CIA. They've accused me of being a mass murderer. They've accused me of being responsible for Rebdesivir. Oh, jeez. Okay? Yeah. Um, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And people, they thrive on this. They thrive on the hate and the anger. And what we're getting, Jill and I now, is that people who have lost loved ones to remdesivir now are attacking us, blaming us for the death of their loved ones. I'm sorry. Based on this stuff that's going on. Yeah. And there is no way to fight it particularly if the government is already accusing you of being the misinformation spreader, there's no way that you can fight what's going on. It's wicked. And furthermore, when they're doing this, they're taking doctors like trying to take your license, people yep. like you that you spend and that's documented in 30 this epic years times. trying to get a, yeah. you know, to yeah, get a license as a doctor, just to start what 20 yeah. years, right? Is it residencies Bus, busting yeah. your can? Yeah. No life. Yeah. Right. Huge economic hit. I mean, you're not you're you're paying money the whole time, and because you're telling the adverse side effects against the narrative, it's something new every day with you, right? And and anyone else that's in yeah, your exactly. arena, exactly. But this is a little bit extreme here. You think? Yeah. <laughs> did, Can you did, believe that? Did they at least apologize when they were wrong? Oh, no, no, no. There's no apology. <laughs> There's no apologies oh, for maybe any one of day, man. Oh. Maybe no, one day. never. Maybe you'll get this a is, painting. This maybe is you'll get a nice painting. They didn't say they were wrong. They didn't say they were wrong, and you were right. no, Hell, nothing, no. never, what? never. Uh, because in order, Rob? if they did that, they would be exposed legally. Yep. They can't. Yeah, they can't. The government is in a position because it would be fraud, right? Where they have there's fraud and everything else. The government is a position where they have just grossly mismanaged this. Un, there's no question they've caused enormous numbers of unnecessary deaths. And, and again, I'm citing Ed Dowd. You were just yeah, here we, talking about it. Okay, yesterday we went um, through the. the there, can you imagine? Numbers. Can you imagine? Could the U.S. government admit? That what Bob Redfield um, disclosed, that the State Department, USAID, DOD, and HHS funded the development of this virus. Okay? Um, 
Can you imagine if if the government suddenly said, "Oh yeah, mea culpa, we did it." Okay, you know, Tony Tony uh, managed it, and and we sent him the money, and they did it, and uh, and it got out, and it killed billions of people or millions of people, right? And caused incredible disease and economic destruction. Can you imagine the legal cases? Oh, it'd be that, fun to watch. It would bankrupt the American government. Yeah. Okay. Um, if if they were to come out and say, because remember, the truth like, maybe sixty percent of the population is still in a fog. I know, I that, can't believe it. Um, if, if suddenly they wake up one morning and the New York Times says, government says, "Yep, you caught us, we did it," <laughs> um, and and your your loved one that died, um, was the was, died because unnecessarily because of of a virus that the U.S. government funded the creation of. Do you also think we talked about this yesterday a little bit and I brought it up? Um, I think I read a stat where during COVID, that time period, where there were more uh, cremations than ever before. Um, do yeah, you, I've heard that too. Do you think that, and and I don't, I, I can't speak for people who had their loved ones cremated, um, but maybe some of that was like forced upon them because, you know, there's no body left. There's just ashes. I can't go dig up a body years down the road and maybe really examine it to see possibly cause of There was death. definitely disincentives to having autopsies. Okay? They they actively suppressed having autopsies, which is why we have so little data because autopsies, pathology autopsies is the quality control system for the whole medical enterprise. And they suppressed autopsies and maybe I know early on pathologists were scared silly. I mean, we were all told this thing was like Ebola. We're all going to die, right? No. Um, I remember when I got infected in February of 2020, I thought I was going to die. Um, so there's, you know, at first there was a good reason why pathologists were wary of doing autopsies. But then it just became a systemic thing. And, and you would, didn't want to do an autopsy because you would find stuff out that was politically unacceptable. Um, and so you just didn't do it. And, and I... Is it possible that hospitals found it that it was uh, there was incentives in place for them to recommend or otherwise direct? And remember, a lot of these people didn't have relatives. Um, they they were you know there's talk about um, Nurse Erin uh, Malone did this disclosure from New York City where she was essentially saying that they were scooping people up off the street and running them through the ventilators and the remdesivir and killing them off and then off they would go. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know what to say. What You know, was there any examples of hospitals that were incentivized or some way had policies to cremate as opposed to bury? I wouldn't be surprised, um, but I don't, I don't have the smoking gun. I don't have the receipts to show it. No. I was joking, well, kind of not joking, but I was saying to Dowd yesterday, I said, you know, if the organized crime guys, the Irish, the Italians, would just watch how they're doing this, they would never get clipped. <laughs> you know, they, they would. I mean, this is Rico to the to the RICO. So that there's a there's um, deep wisdom in what you just said. Is are there Rico cases here? Hell yeah, I think I think there are, and a lot of the. There are so many legal barriers that have been set up. Um, so Steve Kirsch, bless his heart, did a uh, conference together with some other sponsors in Atlanta about three weeks ago in which they brought together about 300 different attorneys that are all prosecuting cases having to do with COVID. 
um, you know, the, the mandates and, and people uh, getting fired and all this kind of stuff. And um, what, one of the things that was a, a key finding or conclusion from the conference and people talking to each other was that the federal courts are basically deploying a strategy in many cases where um, they're taking the position that since the mandates have been dropped, that these uh, legal challenges to the mandates seeking damages for being forced to accept the mandate or lose your job are moot. Hmm. Um, and so they throw the cases out. It's really hard to get, we were talking about discovery. It's hmm. really hard to get any cases through the current court system to the point where you're allowed to do discovery. Um, and they have got all kinds of ways to do it. And it, it appears, you know, on face that the judiciary is in the boat with the politicians and whether, you know, hence the uniparty argument, that, that whichever side of the aisle you're from, nobody wants these questions asked and nobody wants them answered. Do you know that the jails <clears throat> were giving $35 per inmate to get vaccinated? I heard that. Now, think if you're, you know, you got picked up for a bag of cocaine, whatever it may be, you know, you're doing 90 days in there. Oh, you know, you're broke. Yeah. 35 bucks. 35 bucks for some, some cigs. Yeah, I can get yeah. some soup. I can get some cookies. Stick me all the way. Yeah. Do you believe in that? I mean, I mean, I mean, I know it's true, but I yeah, I'm saying like, I like, I know wow. it's true also, and I know that they faced a major crisis. Um, there was movement to um, release a lot of uh, nonviolent prisoners in the state of California penitentiary system early on, because the virus was just ripping through those populations, and they couldn't take care of them. Who's the guy that got released that you reported on when you were in Philly? I'm Michael Conahan, Judge Conahan. Yeah, that was a guy who was. Two judges went to jail for uh, basically locking up juveniles like a kid would get caught smoking a cigarette in school property. Like, that's bad, you know, bad. He smoked a cigarette, and the parents would be like, you know what, judge, you know, he deserve, he needs to learn a lesson. So they'd throw him in a uh, prison that was funded by their buddy that he built and kickbacks and just about oh, wow. that. And so yeah. one, Sick judge, stuff. one judge went to jail for uh, 30, 35 years, and uh, Judge Conahan went to jail for 17 which I think he served seven of the 17 and was let out because uh, COVID. So he's, hmm. on, he's on, I guess, house arrest. Uh, I think he's hanging out in uh, Delray Beach somewhere. <laughs> Maybe we can get him on here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty sick. You know, I don't know how I feel about that one. And another thing that might be one of the most important things is uh, the human augmentation that you talk about, and that's tab three. Tab three. Now, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it crosses over into the transgender movement. Um, and it all seems to be tied up in a bow. Uh, and um, so this is the transhumanism agenda, which uh, um, this, is, this is part of the World Economic Forum uh, logic that uh, we are heading into a fourth industrial revolution and that in that fourth industrial revolution, you will have the emergence of a fusion of man and machine. So I've written essays about, yeah, this is one. Um, there's, we've actually written about this a number of times. Uh, there's another one that uh, um, talks about these, the, the new language around the caste systems that are evolving. So lower, middle, and upper class people, that's kind of an anachronism. That's yesterday's logic. Um, and the new version is 
uh, the physicals, the virtuals, the machines, and I use the term the overlords, the, the, those that sit at the top, a fraction of a fraction of a percent that are, that are um, the puppet masters for all of this, that are getting the economic benefits. Um, and uh, this, this logic that um, the f- people that live in the physical world that actually do stuff with their hands, like be engineers or build buildings or, or fix plumbing or whatever, or, or run a studio, uh, they're all going to be made obsolete. We don't need those people anymore. Those are uh, you know, useless eaters, uh, and all that can be automated and, and uh, roboticized and and uh, um, then all we're going to have is the virtuals who are controlling all those things. And what's come out has been the opposite. It, it's the physicals, the folks that know how to fix plumbing um, or build stuff that are in super high demand right now. I mean, you can't, good luck getting your, your house repaired yeah. uh, or, or scheduling an electrician or a plumber right now. At least where I live in Virginia, it's it's like forget about it. It's, you don't know how many times I tried to get a nice, just a nice wood table built. I can't build anything. I'm just, I know I know I should, and whatever the woke bullshit, I can't build anything. Okay, I can code. If you give me a computer, I can code as good as anybody. But if you tell me to put together a chair, you know I can't. I'm yeah. Just, my so so the so the, the and and it appears that what's happening is it's the virtuals that are getting run out of business. They're losing their sure. jobs. Because that's that's what can be automated, yeah. So now you're a podcaster. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have to build anything, but then I can't find anybody to build anything that I need built. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this this um, logic of transhumanism, uh, and uh, as I said, it feeds right straight into the gender reassignment surgery thing, which is another thing that we write about quite a bit now. Um, because a lot of that is based on false information, uh, and it, a lot of it, a lot of that transgender stuff seems to be fad. It's it's like you know infectious fads that happen in high school kids, and it's just spreading like wildfire. Um, and uh, Jill ran some numbers the other day. The U.S. military is estimating something like 150 billion dollars. It's going to have to pay out for transgender surgery for war fighters who've decided that they're um, on the wrong side of the line. But what about the guys that, that that just fought in in whatever war? These seals that come back and you know they don't take the jab and then they get fired, right? Yeah, they don't take the jab, they got fired. But yet you had them hiding under a bush, you know, sniping guys out for four years. Oh, hey, just go back into the city and walk around. Yeah, and you'll wonder why you know there's a lot of uh, problems. But hey. If you're a transgender or whatever, whatever the word is of the day, here, here, yeah. wow, those are yeah. some numbers there. Yeah, it's it, the the it's and if you're pharma or a hospital, it's big money. Oh, yeah. we're we're talking about a new, you know, multi hundred billion dollar industry that is that is spreading all over the world. That this whole agenda is not just in the United States. Something that we don't always see it's happening in south africa it's happening throughout europe it's it's uh, a major thrust just like the covid crisis it's all being promoted at the same time and you know is it does it get back to depopulation it's hard to figure hard to figure out what the heck is driving all of this because you go from the covid and i think if we sat here long enough we could make a, a a tie between the covid and this uh, gender change and you can tie all this together. I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket. It seems to be being promoted by similar people. I just wonder who 
and I don't know if you know who, and don't tell me if you know who, because I don't want you to get in any more trouble. But, you know, you see Gates on everything. We've seen paperwork that, you know, I verified. You see Bill Gates, Obama, Soros, some other ones. But I still, if you see them, there has to be a puppet master behind them. Otherwise, you would never see them. Although I think Gaze might be at the, the, the top of the food chain. You don't have to reply to that. Um, I like, think, Sir? so this <laughs> this gets, so we talk about this in the book. Um, uh, and um, there's a, at least half a dozen different explanations. Um, Go back to what I have to. The, the, um, you know, we have this whole central bank digital currency initiative. Uh is it the Bank of International Settlements that's behind this? Is it BlackRock, St- State Street, Vanguard, and all? Of, I'm sure Ed talked about their inner relationship, interlocking right. financial relationships between those organizations. He's former BlackRock, so yeah. he knows very well about this. Um, is it the big banking families? That's another hypothesis. Uh, is you know, it's it's really hard to get to the bottom of of what's going on, uh, and and their apps, I, I, I can't. Ernst Wolf in the U, in Germany has written quite a bit about this. Ed's talked about it some. That uh, there are these financial interests that um, are hugely benefiting here and seem to be behind a lot of these initiatives that are compromising our personal liberties. Uh, they seem to be behind the fifteen-minute city logic. Yeah, what is that? What was the fifteen-minute city? What does that mean? So some people refer to it as reservations, mm. um, and it's absolutely already being deployed in the Netherlands. Uh, really? And um, so the logic is that we will all live within cities in which we do all of our business transactions within a 15-minute radius. So it's going to be high-rises and, you know, your corner store and uh, you you have uh, your Tesla or, or electric vehicle, and you can only travel within that circle with your electric vehicle, um, and everything is brought into that. And you you know your job is there, your grocery store is there, your entertainment is there, and all of your associates are all within fifteen minutes. I moved out of Philly to get away from all that. Sounds like a Florida <laughs> retirement community almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's that's people talk about it as being basically being put on a reservation, yeah, that, yeah. that you're going to live here and you're going to live the way we want you to. And this is what you, I'm sure you've heard the logic of the um, central bank digital currency, yeah. that you can control what people buy and when they buy it and how they spend their money and all that. I saw what China's already doing with, the, uh, with their browsing and all that. And then how does this tie into the Industry 4.0? I, I, I don't know anything about <clears throat> Industry 4.0. You wrote about it. The, okay. the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Oh, the Fourth Industrial yeah. Revolution, right. Yeah. So, okay, so that's You know I'm a little to. dyslexic over uh, there. So, it's Remember? okay. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the belief is, in, in their, the, the word that they use at the World Economic Forum is they're actively shaping this future, um, that we've emerged out of this third industrial revolution and we're heading into this fourth industrial revolution in which we will have artificial intelligence, robots, bio-robots, implanted, you know, the chips like Neuralink and that kind of stuff. And uh, there'll be a fusion of man and machine. So we'll be mechanically augmented 
remember in Avatar and those kinds yeah. of things. Um, and this is being done, a lot of this is being driven by uh, DARPA and the DOD ostensibly because of damaged warfighters. So uh, that you have um, implanted chips or, or sensors that can detect brain waves that allow you to control an artificial limb or other mechanical prosthesis or a drone or whatever, right? Just by thinking about it, right? So that almost telepathic. Yeah, telepathic. it is. It is. It is about wow. telepathy. Tab four, please. So if that happens, how? Because you know, people. If we put a hundred thousand people in here, people are like, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, you know, give it to me. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, like the Swedes, the young Swedes that wanted to have chips implanted so they didn't have to carry a credit card anymore. They could just go and, and go into Ikea, I yeah. guess, and tap and buy the furniture that they wanted to buy. But now we're talking a whole other level other than that. And, you know, like I said, you know, oh, mate, you know, like, no, like, oh, I could be as fast as a computer. Wow. Hey, gee, uh, I know Chinese tomorrow. Hmm. Now, where do you see that? I mean, I see the danger in that. Because unless it's controlled, which I don't see that happening, but so that's going to be a two-way street, yeah. Right? So that you're you're thinking and processing in that space, and that space is thinking and processing in you. So this this I like to put it this way, and and this also relates to the fifth generation warfare environment in which everything you think, feel, believe um, uh, is manipulated. Okay, that's that's the fifth gen warfare battlescape where the goal is to control your thoughts and emotions. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so in in that kind of environment where the government and we're already this is what we were just talking about with yeah. the CDC. Okay, where the government feels that it's okay to do that, then the concept of you having personal sovereignty becomes irrelevant. Right. You no longer have really have free choice. In this kind of an environment that you're talking about where we're fused with machines and AIs, the whole idea of you having personal autonomy, freedom, freedom to think, freedom to act, freedom to be make mistakes, right, to, to be an independent being and learn from that is irrelevant. It's, it's an anachronism. In an environment in which the government feels that it's acceptable to manipulate everything that you are exposed to, in order to guide you to think in a certain way or have certain emotions um, through pharmaceuticals and for information, social media and everything, everything that you're subjected to, your, your ability to act as an autonomous being and make decisions about what's right or wrong or what you want to see or how you want your children raised or how you want them indoctrinated or whatever becomes irrelevant because you don't have any latitude to think for yourself. It's all control. So self is gone, basically. Completely. Self is gone, and now you're hooked up to this thing where this thing is making you whatever it wants to make you be. It, it, you, know, it, like you don't have your own decision-making. I mean, you don't have your own... Feelings the, like the uh, brothers or sisters Wachowski, whatever you know, at yeah. the time frame that that produced the Matrix. Yeah, the Matrix what, is really the awesome. metaphor for the future for us right now, right? And this we use it all the time. Uh, the other day, I read that red pilling is uh, that term. Red pilling is a sign that you are a conservative extremist if you use the term red pilling. <laughs> yeah, 
is the guy who wrote the script for Matrix? Is he from another planet? Maybe, I don't know. Could be. I mean, or he has a time machine, or a... because I'll tell you what. When I first watched that, okay, cool movie, and then I I forget which which situation who I talked to, and they said watch the Matrix again, and I watched it, and I go, holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. Where's this guy from? Yeah, you could tell me. It's okay, Doctor. <laughs> I don't know because it's, it's weird, though, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, really weird. Think about it. This is like your. This is the control of your mind right now, and it's right here in your hand. It's not even anything in your chip in your brain yet. This right here is there to control people. Well, and, and, and that's really trying to have a that's, conversation. That's with the point about, about fifth generation warfare is that that's all being piped through that device. Yeah, and um, you're being. So that's we talked about this last time. Twitter is a weapon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it took me a year to figure it out. Can you elaborate on that? So that was uh, our tab for it. One, one of the one stuff. of the first examples, clear examples of fifth generation warfare being deployed was Arab Spring, and Twitter was absolutely deployed as a weapon during Arab Spring. So if you think through social media, first thing, if you're interacting on your cell phone, um, you, you, in any urban environment or suburban environment where you have at least two and preferably three cell towers, you can be precisely located geographically. Okay, so you're, if, if, you're, if you're in a cellular environment and you're interacting, and of course your phone has got all the tracking information in it, um, they, a third party can know precisely where you are in three-dimensional space. That's point number one. Point number two, if you're interacting in social media and you're, you're saying this, that, or the other thing about the way you see the world, okay, all that information is being brought in and processed, and you are mapped in a cloud of influence, and you can be statistically analyzed. The, the natural language processing of what you are saying um, can be analyzed and, and extracted for emotional content, for instance, and meaning in a, in a multilinguistic way. Okay, so it doesn't matter what language you're speaking. Okay, that you're, everything about you essentially can be then integrated into this cloud of information around you and all the people you're interacting with. Um, and when people talk about things like, uh, I was shadow banned, okay, well, I'm shadow banned, it's such a bad thing, right? What they think, they personalize it. They think that that's about them. But it's not. It's about controlling how their state of mind and information and communication is connecting to other people within their cloud. And so all of that is being actively algorithmically manipulated to an endpoint of whatever it is the folks that are running the algorithms want. So if it's an Arab Spring and you're in one of those big uh, protests in a square and uh, you're all getting fed information that's coming through the people that are at the front edge. You know, if you're somebody who wants to disrupt <clears throat> Egypt mm-hmm. and and the command structure there, um, then you're being selected so that you're hearing the people that are most out on the fringes saying, we got to th- overthrow the government, we all got to go over here and attack this palace or whatever. That's the information that you're seeing, right? Because if that's, if that's the goal, that's how Twitter as a weapon works. And then, as I mentioned, you're, you're located in three-dimensional space. You can also be connected to Gorgon Stare. So, so that means that they can physically, with high resolution, identify 
your your personal characteristics, what vehicle you get into, who gets into that vehicle with you, what its identifiers are, where you are, and sp- everything about you. They can is do that known. right now. Yeah. Wow. That's Gorgon Stare. And that's not uh, violating any amendments? So they were going to deploy it in Baltimore for uh, control of uh, violence and crime. Oh. And a court case was raised and they were blocked. But they did try to deploy. Gorgon Stare is basically technology that the DOD developed for... uh, um, War, maybe? Yeah, well, for... Al Qaeda and and uh, the Taliban, Real and those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so that, but now it's all being it's all being brought home. I mean, any time a technology gets developed that can be used for some nefarious purpose, it will be used. Right? It's just you can't stop it. This is, people accuse me of of uh, having created these vaccines, and you know because I invented the platform technology, and this is one of the. One of the ways that I'm a mass murderer, by the way, just to, yeah. uh, you know, I'm scared. Um, I've, I have like eight or ten different ways that I'm a mass murderer, apparently. But <laughs> We could write a true crime book now. There we go. <laughs> um, but uh, the point is anything that people can weaponize, they will weaponize. And for sure, social media has been and was conceived of as basically an intelligence weapon. And like what the United States does again and again, when they have a new weapon platform technology, they will find a war to deploy it. So the, um, you know, my dad was involved in helicopters back in the 50s, and he was told that there's going to be a war in Southeast Asia to uh, test out the uh, rotary wing uh, warfare platform. Um, that's, that's what we do. Is is we find a skirmish, um, and we will deploy and test out our new uh, battle tactics and weaponry in that environment. And absolutely, in Arab Spring, we did that with social media and particularly Twitter. What makes me this thing keep this up? Uh, <clears throat> what makes me think of because when I used to really be a website designer and hardcore coder and all that stuff, what a lot of people would do is you would buy what's called a data bank. Mm-hmm. Right, which was what you did on social media. So whatever you did on Facebook, TikTok, it's no different. Instagram, say Google, especially Google, say in the last 30 days you went to look for an Audi. And for the last 30 days, we know that you went to look for to buy an Audi. Not just click on it, you went to verify prices. You could go then buy a data bank of, say, 100,000, 200,000, phone numbers, emails, whatever you wanted, you buy that data bank, you then sell that to the company that has the website, and now they can automatically now call Dr. Malone and say, hey, uh, we were referred by uh, the Audi down the street. Um, you know, th- th- we saw that they didn't have what you wanted. We just so happened to have a silver Audi that you were looking for, and we're willing to give you 2000 off today. Oh, nice right. guy. So I look at it, what they're doing. You know, that's a different way to put it. But just in my terms, now they're taking, like you said, it's not a personal thing. They're taking people like you, McCullough, people that are going against the agenda, putting them in a bank, and boom, attacking. Am I right on that or off? Well, that's that's what was revealed with this CDC program. 
that's exactly the kind yeah. of thing that was doing, is um, they were identifying uh, individuals who are, they don't ever attack people that don't have enough following. They don't care about the ones that are, are small nodes, right? You gotta stop it, being popular. Yeah, that's right. It's all, it's, <laughs> it is, it is all my fault. And, um, and you're back in shape now, yeah. you know, pumping the iron. Yeah. You and Peter are pumping that iron. I always tell Peter to pump an iron. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I want to even see that. Um, <laughs> every time he has a golf shirt on at uh, Slacks, you know, he, he's funny. You know, he knows I'm joking. I'm like, ah, Peter, you're pumping that iron again. Because <laughs> I wear the dress shoes with the Slacks with the tight golf shirt. <laughs> he's funny. Very nice to me. Uh-huh. Sorry to interrupt you. It's cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, bizarre world. Now, at the very top, go back to the very top, because uh, we had talked before we came on. I was shocked that there was a uh, like an issue with Twitter and Substack. Right. That's, that's very interesting to me and very shocking because, as I said, you know, I thought I was going to repeat this, that Twitter was, they gave the files to Substack. Or they gave them to Matt Taibbi and Matt Taibbi. other other people that yeah, and, uh, happened to publish on Substack, right? Yeah. And um, so well, Matt Matt would put out his um, Twitter files releases on Twitter, and then he would write a summary statement um, that was a more in depth analysis on Substack. And uh, he his Substack uh, he must be making a good amount of money on Substack, I suspect, because. He's gotten a lot of subscribers since he started doing this because if you want to find out what's on really on the Twitter files, you've got to subscribe to Matt Taibbi's Substack, which we do. Um, glad to do it. Uh, and um, so then Substack uh, is, even though they're San Francisco-based, um, and I have a conflict of interest because pretty much all our revenue now is coming through Substack subscriptions. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, I don't, you know, I have a, I have a conflict of interest. I don't want to piss off Substack, uh, but um, still, I, I speak my mind about everything. So I, we did. Jill and I did have a meeting with Substack as one of their top writers and producers um, a couple weeks ago, and I really pressed them on the risk that Substack would get bought out and uh, would no longer tolerate uh, free speech in the same way that it does right now. And, uh, you know, if Larry Fink comes in and buys them for BlackRock or whatever, and we just end up in the same dustbin as all the other tech companies, right? Um, And they absolutely assured me that that would not be the case. And we talked about their upcoming technologies. And uh, then uh, shortly thereafter, they deployed a Twitter-like capability um, that uh, um, clearly they believe there's a business opportunity if you, if you think about Substack, it's not really a novel concept. It's a subscription-based service that supports authors in a very open way. I mean, they, it's almost anything goes. It's the Wild West on Substack. Uh, and you can pretty much say whatever you want, and they're not going to slap you for it. Uh, they, they do have some policies, you know, no porn and, and uh, that kind of stuff. But... Um, and so it's been amazing watching them grow. And I think what's driven their market is uh, that 
in an environment in which almost everything is um, censored and edited, they have taken a position for free speech. And so they've become the bastion of free speech. And people have migrated to them, even more than Getter or Gab or True Social. They've gone to Substack. And uh, so Substack apparently sees Twitter as still engaging in um, enough censorship and other activities that there's a business opportunity for Substack to come out with a Twitter-like function that is fully open and transparent that would be built off of, leveraged off of the existing Substack platforms and subscriber base. So when they decided to do that and deploy that, then there was a backlash apparently from Twitter and and Musk in particular. He had said that, um, going back months, that if you had um, links which would link out of Twitter, then that would be suppressed. So it, it was already his position that if you were posting things on Twitter that had a link out to some other site, that would be suppressed in terms of its circulation and and retweets and those kinds of things. Now that does go against what Elon had said. Am I right or wrong? I'm not sure what Elon has actually committed to in terms of free speech, but that's, that's, that was the position is, is if you did, if you did things that took, took viewers off of the Twitter platform. It may make sense from a business standpoint. From a business standpoint, sure. Um, if, it, if you cause people to leave the Twitter platform with the links that you provide, then they would suppress that, relatively speaking, those, those links. And then Substack absolutely um, causes, if you click on a Substack link, it causes you to go to Substack instead of being in Twitter. So that violated that. There was already some throttling going on. And then Twitter... I mean, Substack absolutely deployed a Twitter-like function, thinking that they could gain market share and more revenue by being a freer platform than Twitter was. And uh, apparently the pushback was that um, that was not going to be allowed, and anybody that had a Substack link would be uh, actively suppressed in terms of retweets and and, uh, reposts and that kind of stuff. And uh, the, the, there is a potential backstory, which is that, and it loops back to what we were saying earlier um, about the Anti-Defamation League um, uh, piece that I mentioned, um, in which they attacked Kirsch and Mercola and myself, and then tried to create linkages between us and true neo-Nazis that were obscure and, and, um, okay, which by the way is defamation. There's a recent court case about that. And, um, the, the, the piece was the anti-defamation league piece was focused on, um, trying to get a sub stack taken off of Twitter. That Twitter, Twitter, Twitter was allowing sub stack to make profit off of anti-Semites, conspiracy theorists, <laughs> and uh, neo-Nazis. Uh, and um, so uh, Twitter should not allow Substack um, to, to be posted. And Substack should basically be suppressed or be forced to kick these people like me or McCullough or others off because uh, we were engaging in this nefarious activity 
um, together with others who are true anti-Semites and neo-Nazis. And so that all immediately preceded this action that was taken by Musk and Twitter. Um, And, you know, was that an influence in how he uh, responded? The official line is, no, it had nothing to do with that. Um, the Anti-Defamation League piece had nothing to do with the business decision, which was all about uh, suppressing Substack because it was setting itself up as a competitor. So that's what I know about that situation, um, and it's still evolving. As I mentioned when we were just chatting this before our podcast here, what we do is we use tiny URL for our Substack links. And it, it appears to me, whether it's that or just that Twitter got enough backlash that they've loosened up on this, um, but we're, we're, we'll get, um, you know, 60,000, 70,000 views on our substacks through Twitter. Uh, so that's not being completely suppressed. And we'll, you know, we may have, um, you know, 20 to 100 um, retweets. Uh, so it's so I think at first it was just like flatlined. They they just clamped sure. down on it. Um, so I don't know if it's because we're using tiny URL or just because they've loosened up. It's all a mystery to me. <clears throat> See, I look at Substack as like a, almost real news. You know, if if I want to see real news, what you say or Peter says or you know a lot of other guys I can't <clears throat> remember their name. It just seems like a almost like this sounds dumb, I guess, but like a real newspaper. You know, I can go through it and see what the new articles are. It doesn't really seem to me like a social media type of thing. Um, uh, thank you for saying that. Uh, huh. It's awesome. it's. Um, I agree that it it is it is. Um, it's a Chinese menu for alternate uh, voices, <laughs> yeah. right? You as the subscriber, and it's one of the weaknesses of Substack is each of those are separate subscriptions. And so you can quickly build up, you know, you're spending 500 bucks a month. If you're, you know, five bucks here and five bucks there, pretty soon it adds up. Um, so, uh, but, but absolutely, and particularly I think younger people are migrating to an environment in which uh, they are selecting their information sources from a portfolio of options. And they're no longer willing to buy into centralized news services which is corporate news. This is why the Trusted News Initiative exists. It's, it's, the, it's why corporate news sees Joe Rogan and folks like yourself as such enormous threats is because it's completely disrupting the whole media industry. Uh, and you, you can see it. I mean, the amount of, you can get real revenue off of Substack and podcasting and other things. And I'm told, you know, we, we get reprimanded by younger, more aggressive people that we don't properly monetize our reach and we should be having pop-up ads and all this kind of stuff and we could make so much more money if we would just do that. I mean, all of this is coming out of the pockets of the likes of CNN and the Washington Post and the oh, New York yeah. Times. CNN, that was funny. The, the funniest thing about CNN was that CNN Plus thing. Oh, they got the like twenty minutes. Whoever made that decision. Like, yeah. like they're not watching it to begin with. Let's go charge people, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, I bet you if Substack put a little blue check thing, everybody would pay the five bucks. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. should do that. Just yeah, they, well, that's kind of what you do. I mean, that's that's one of the criticisms of Substack is that you have to subscribe to each one of those independently. Mm-hmm. And um, 
a, an alternative model would be that you can subscribe to a portfolio yeah. of news feeds. Um, and uh, there's various versions of that, uh, that um, there's a company called Maven that does uh, that kind of aggregation. Uh, they own Sports Illustrated and many others. Uh, and, um, and there's a business model in the uh, um, sports world where you have uh, people that are um, that blog or, or have other media around a given sports team. Uh, and then if you subscribe to that, then you get access to media and information about other sports teams from a leading sports commentator. So uh, he's like a big Eagles guy. <clears throat> I should be too from Philly, but Donathan McNabb pissed me off back then. I was that's long. That's that's the story one day when we go have dinner. But so he could subscribe to Substack, say, and if it's the Eagles, he could get all Eagles news. That that would be so. That is a business model. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not model. the Substack business model, right? And yeah, he could subscribe to an aggregator of Eagles news, and then. Um, for his subscription, a, a large large amount of that would go to whoever is the head of the aggregator for Eagles, um, and then a small fraction would get spread around the rest of the ring, and um, and then uh, if he wanted to, because Eagles are going to um, win, uh, win the Super Bowl next year, going to kind of you know the next next uh, um, Monday football event is going to be against some other team. He might want to go over and see what people are saying about the other team. And he could do that through that subscription-based model. So that's that's one model that's out there that's being very successful. And people that are that own those franchises, because that's how it's set up basically, you know, can make a million bucks a year uh, easy um, running these aggregators of uh, chats and um, blogging around the Eagles. So the only question I have, though, is if, if you're on Substack, right, and I get to choose, let's use the Eagles, for example. So I'm going to want all I want is Eagles. That's all I want. And that's great. That's my menu. That's what I want. Does it does it fear you in the sense that, like, I'm one that I like to hear all different sides of the story and then formulate my opinion on what I think, that if you're only subscribing to almost like your echo chamber, you're just in it and you're just hearing what you want to hear. Does that scare you that f the future is just what I want to hear and that's what I want to hear and I don't care what anyone else has to say and I don't want to have it listen to another view to form a, an opinion? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely, and it's absolutely happening. And um, some people think that uh, some conspiracy theorists mm -hmm. might say that that's <laughs> intentional. But by fragmenting us and dividing us, um, that works for the people who want to exert control over the whole system. Is is a divided electorate is the perfect way. You know, this is divide and conquer. And um, is is it is it a threat? Yeah, it's you know it it comes down to. Um, it still comes down to whether an individual is intellectually active and engaged. Do they, as you were saying, you're somebody who wants to see multiple points of view. I want to hear the other side. So my wife has a great example of this. She um, subscribes and she follows uh, people in on LinkedIn because she still has a LinkedIn account and on Twitter that are from the other side. And she gets criticized. She gets attacked that this is proof 
that she's controlled opposition or I'm controlled opposition because we're subscribing to people from the other side. But in fact, our logic is exactly what you say. We want to see what the other side is saying. We want to understand what's going on. We don't want to just be living in our little bubble. But then you get attacked by people saying, well, then you're not really with us, right? And there's a whole lot of these dynamics that are going on that are really screwy. Just a bunch of nuttiness. And, you know, when they were really all over about TikTok, at first I thought, because, you know, I have a daughter and her mom, you know, she likes the Internet a little bit too much. But that generation, I, I give up on that. I've been trying. Dr. Malone, I've been trying. But uh, I, I, I picked the battles I can maybe win. But at first I thought, okay, TikTok, China. But then after I did some research, I realized that it's not about China. If they ban TikTok then they can ban anything that isn't with their agenda. And then eventually they only have the social media platforms that are going along with their agenda that they control. I forget what act this is, but do you think I'm right about that one? Um, so, uh, as you were talking about that, um, uh, I, I, there's a case to be made, um, that, uh, and again, we're getting, we're going down conspiracy lane here. No, I don't want we're, you to get a we're imagining, No, we're just imagining yeah. that there are puppet masters Imagine, that, yeah, right. that uh, want to control uh, global dialogue. And, and I think there's good evidence that they, there is. And, um, and uh, TikTok is a really powerful tool. I mean, it, it gathers all kinds of information. It's a monster. monster. And, and what I'm hearing is that um, the, the generation of technology that we're currently talking about, like TikTok and, and the other social media platforms, is basically already obsolete because of the advancements that have happened with artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a guy the other day that was at the farm talking to us together with a media guy who's a billionaire investor in this space. And he said that we're, we're he believes we're now weeks away from uh, AIs that, are, you know, GPT-like AIs that um, are completely cognitively autonomous. In other words, they're, they're full-on thinking in the same, in a very similar way to how humans are. And uh, once that happens, it's it's a singularity. You know, once you pass through that, then you know we're back to the matrix. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are Terminator. Yeah, and Terminator and all of that dystopian science fiction that we literally are right there. And um, there's the, there's new GPTs that are now not so much just parsing words, but parsing sentences and paragraphs and deriving information and being able to generate information based on on a much more sophisticated algorithms. And then there's GPTs that are also manipulating images so that you can, and audio, so that uh, you can basically, you know, we could, our having this conversation could potentially be obsolete in a year from now. Um, not to sound like I'm an alarmist, but that... Well, they that, did it to Rogan. There's already two out. There's two out. It's called the Joe Rogan Experience AI. Now, it's a little off. You know, it's not perfected, but it just came out. There's two of them. One with Sam Harris and one with Trump. Mm. They're out. They're, they have, you know, a million views on it. It's on YouTube. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> you know... So that's going to be combined with actual f- visual imagery. 
of Joe um, interviewing Donald. Right. Right. And you're not going to be able to know the difference. Yeah. That, that's what I mean. Like right now it's a little bit stuttery, but that's new. That's I mean, these they, things are going like that. That's that's what he was saying is we are weeks away from that singularity. That's yeah. how they take over because yeah. if you think if Dr. Malone's sitting here and he says something and uh, they can recreate his exact voice and, and an image of him and they make it say something exactly different. They bury him. And now he's buried and now, now we're taking... So, now so we're there's taking already a small version of that. Is there, um, well, congratulations. Yeah, people, yes. people, no, people <laughs> have circulated tweets that I didn't write because it's dead easy to do with, you know, and, and you can do it with, with PowerPoint. You don't even need Photoshop, right, to assemble a synthetic tweet. Sure. You just clip a little bit of this, clip a little bit of that, put it together to emerge, and you've got it. And 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 it's and suddenly Malone is saying some crazy, outrageous stuff, and everybody's like, oh, my God, that proves that he is deep state <laughs> um, CIA, right? Yeah. And, and that absolutely has been done. Merrill Nass wrote an essay about that. Um, and, and exposed one of those that was circulating. But it's if you think it through, um, in this future, this near-term dystopic future that we're talking about, in which anything that you view could easily be synthetic, okay? Or, or you know, Donald says this, or um, Joe Latipo says that, or, or whoever, and you don't know if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. Or you see a picture of Lindsey Graham holding a, you know, Bud Light King, right, with a guy's picture <laughs> yeah, on it. You know yeah. the one I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and he may or may not have done that, but you, that we will move into a future in, in which we can't differentiate, and there will have to be some tag. When you see any information, there'll have to be some tag on it that you will be able to use to verify that that is, in fact, a genuine artifact and not something that's just been synthesized. And I don't even know how that happens. I don't know how because so many things can be faked. Right? Even is the it, tag. Is it going to be blockchain-based? But somehow yeah. do, things, artifacts, are going to have to have a identifier that shows that it is unedited and true and real because we're going to be flooded with fakes. And you won't know what story's real, what's, you won't know anything. <laughs> Which is going to, you know, the cynics would say, absolutely plays in the interests of those that want to fragment us and control us. Yeah. And then the younger generation, nothing against them, but whatever pops up, they don't know. that's what they're going to believe. They're not going to take the time to see if it was tagged or, or tri- oh, did you see, uh, well, Tommy, I'm going to come home with a gun to my head because, like, what'd you do last night, Tommy? I was sitting here. You know I mean? Right. I mean, right. I'm making a joke, but and seriously. No, but seriously. And you'll be judged by, who knows, oh, robotic boy. courts with, the, with here's the evidence and it gets put in front of this computer yeah, yeah, system. Yeah, I mean, it could just go You're haywire. guilty. You're judge, guilty. And judge Dre. Yes, Judge Dre. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all all of this stuff, all this dystopic near-term science fiction is, like, coming true. On, Fast. On, yeah, fast, really fast. fast. Maybe Stephen Greer's right. <laughs> you know, maybe they've had enough of this. Maybe they've had enough of this. I think so, I'm man. telling you. I don't know. I'm telling you, before I let you out of there, I'm going to go through it real quick, on a quick one and be like, Malone, I mean, the guy. The poor part tab five, because this is sick. It was, out of all places, CBS, and I think I put it off for your thing, had reported that the government made duplicate payments for projects in labs in China. 
Oh, at right. The Wulab, the Wulab's yeah, room? yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, so that's that's and out of all that's, places, CBS. That's kind of funny, huh? Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, the Committee on the President Danger China. That's that. This is an interesting group that I'm uh, interacting with. Uh, they're they're uh, very focused on what's going on with the CCP and the interaction between the CCP and uh, the United States government and the world. Uh, Health, health organization and um, uh, and the World Economic Forum, and uh, so uh, this this group has come up with some uh, uh, kind of policy positions mm-hmm. and is actively trying to alert the federal government and the populace about what's really going on. As is, by the way, Epic Times. Uh, Epic really? Times is also well. You you know, Epic Times is yeah. very aware of uh, um, CCP behavior because they're basically founded by Falun Gong, <laughs> who who have been preyed upon for organs and everything else by the CCP. So um, they're they're very uh, aware of all of this. I mean, there's just they're, they're, I'm not just saying this because you're here and you're my buddy. Uh, these are your articles are fantastic. Well, thanks. I mean, you should have a prize. We work hard, and it doesn't even get on real clear politics. Uh, they don't, and it should. It should. I mean, really should. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So I don't know what to say on, about on. about all this. Absolutely, there was double payments, um, and you know, this is government accountability and and uh, tracking. And I mean, just look at that. The United States was paying the World Health Organization four hundred fifty million a year. That's just what we know. Now, in terms of money and the kind of trillions and trillions we're talking about, it's not that much, but it's still four hundred fifty million a year. And, and I mean, you just go on and on. I mean, I mean, you you read it and you go, this, you know, and then you look back and you go, oh, this is really real, you know. And and as you're writing this as a vaccinologist, like you know, you're like, what? Well, again, it came back to the book. Right. The book right. book was really a journey uh, through this bizarre upside down world of just trying to f- understand what the hell has happened over the last three years. And, and like, you know, again, the metaphor, you're in a dark room. You've been in that dark room your whole life. Um, you back into a light switch. The light comes on and you see stuff you can never unsee. Like, for instance, Tucker Carlson when it came around time to uh, distribute the Warren Commission report, and yet again they decided not to distribute it, and Tucker says, hey, I've talked to CIA people who understand what's in there, and, and they're convinced that the CIA was involved in his assassination. When when that little bomb drops, for me, that's one of my earliest memories as a child is the assassination. And um, to, to think that the world that I've lived in my whole life has basically been a synthetic information construct. Bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, then then you're left, and a lot of the docs in my world talk about this, uh, Paul Merrick in particular. You know, how how do you reconcile that? When, when you realize that everything you thought you believed, um, all the information that you've been fed is... Um, manipulated untruths you're you're left with paul barrick says uh 
I've now come to the point. I mean, this is a guy. He's he's one of the most published medical scientists in the world, and he and he says, I now believe I cannot trust any medical literature. It's all garbage. It's all junk, and it's all manipulated. And I have to go back to ground on every single thing, everything that I thought I knew based on the scientific literature I can no longer trust. When you have that, it's like somebody has pulled the rug out from under you, and you're in free fall. You don't know what's real and what isn't real, and suddenly everything becomes possible. I'm surprised you guys aren't in the loony bin. I mean, I mean, I'm not joking, really, because you spend your whole career going by what you're told, literature. That I mean, imagine the amount of hours Paul and yourself and and others like yourself have put into reading, and now you have to kind of go back and question everything. Yeah, and then all the work you did, all the things you developed. Yeah, I mean, I can't. It's it's. it's, I can't comprehend that. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Just just sitting here it is, it reading is kind of, it, I can't comprehend. It's a human tragedy. It's a mind really. book. I mean, imagine. Um, yeah, mind well, book. it, it kind of is. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at, and that's where a lot of people are. And, and so once you fall through that, um, once you have that light switch flipped on and you can see stuff, then, you know, for me, I'm kind of a little bit pissed. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, then I'm like, okay, how how deep and how far does this go? Oh, and boy. and um, so that's what's happened is for Jill and I, um, we've been set free in a way um, to explore everything. And uh, we're motivated. We're not happy. We're experiencing all these things. We're experiencing fifth generation warfare on a daily basis with all of its manifestations. Most people haven't. One of the things that's been weird is because I was out front in saying things that you know many people saw it's just that i had the platform because ooh this guy had these patents okay mm-hmm. and so people would say you know well he's saying things that are different from what the approved narrative is and so we should listen to him because he has these patents so suddenly i found myself with this platform right and i'm and i'm trying to make sense out of the world and uh it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier and deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and everything I learn, I'm like, oh, I thought I understood that, but then it's this. And, and, uh, so it, and then because of all of this, suddenly I have this platform where people are like you with this podcast, where people are, um, feeling like they can trust me and that I'm genuine and uh, that um, they, for some reason, they want to hear what I'm discovering and the journey that I'm going on together with Jill and and what we're finding out. And uh, Come on, I'm it, Italian. I would know if you were lying to me. <laughs> Doc, come on. But, no, but it, it, it becomes this journey. It's a, yeah. it's a wonderful thing. I mean, people people express, oh, I feel so sorry for you. And yeah, it's no fun being rat-fucked all the time. Absolutely not. But uh, it is, as somebody who lives, my wife also lives an intellectual life, you know, a life of the mind of trying to understand the world. We're like kids in a candy shop. Everywhere we turn, there's stuff that that has been hidden. 
that the corporate press doesn't want to talk about. Um, there's just we we just pop open the browser on any given day and look at real clear politics and look at Google News and you know a couple other things and we're like, oh, we could talk about that. We could talk about that. We could talk about that. We could look in deeply into that because it's not getting done because journalism is pretty much dead. Dead. And that's so cool that you and Mrs. Malone can do that, you know, because you could take it negative and jump off a cliff. Really, you could. Or you could take it as a positive and be like, okay, you know, piss, but let's dig into this. But like you would anything else, just like if somebody came to you with a vaccine or whatever the hell they want you to do. You start a square one, how did the cells act? Throw a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, and boom, you have it. Yeah, poke and prod. Poke and prod. Yeah, see what happens. And it's, it's a, you know, a glorious thing. The problem with this one, it seems like it's never ending. (laughs) I agree. The, the depth of corruption is profound. And this is what makes me, uh, tab seven with these teachers, the professors are getting paid to tell what, or the, the schools, the universities are getting paid to tell what the professors, what to teach. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, the, the university system, I think, is really shot itself in the foot. Um, parents all over the place are are just yeah, scroll down on this. This are just, just done sick. So, yeah, can you elaborate on this and break this down for us? Because this is bad, bad. So, if the, the rest wasn't bad enough, the committee of presidents. So, the World Economic Forum has these various groups that they do, like the Young Leaders Program, right? So this is the famous one. And they've, by the way, we just published the update for the latest class of young leaders. Um, and uh, so they, they take people into this five-year training program and they basically indoctrinate them into how they should see the world. And then they place them back in industry and politics. Stop right there, things. Rob. I'm sorry, go ahead, finish. And then here, so they have these a whole bunch of these things um, that they've put out. Greta Thunberg is a graduate yeah. of one of them. And uh, um, then they have this university's president's group that is, you know, who's not going to want to get a free airline ticket um, to be wined and dined at Davos for this big, important meeting that all the hoi pol- you know, all the very important people go to. Um, and if you're a university president, you know, you get to go and you might be able to get more donations. Who's not going to want to do that? And so they go to these meetings and they're basically indoctrinated. They're told this is the way the world is. This is the way we want things to be. If you want to get these donations, if you want to be working with us, if you want your students, you know, so, so for instance, the, one of the things that just came out recently was if you if you don't have a perfect social score if you're a company okay and this this What's relates to the ESG score? so environmental social and governance scores this is the ESG score system so that you have to have high ESG scores if you want to get funding if you're in the petroleum industry you cannot get access to capital <laughs> because you are not being you're not in a socially acceptable industry I'm right? not laughing because it's funny I'm laughing because it's sick that's the way it is. Yeah, I know. It's, it's BlackRock and those guys that are running this, right? Yeah. Um, so part of this is this social score. And and in order to get a 100 on your social score, you have to um, do things like the recent Bud Light ad. Okay? <laughs> That's – no, seriously. There are teams that go around and consult with companies and and assign their scores – 
And if you don't do the things that they want you to do, then you don't get 100. If you don't get 100 on your score, then you're not allowed to recruit on most university campuses for new employees. Wow. The whole thing is just getting more and more locked and interdigitated. So if you, if you as your company, don't, um, don't support the, the trans initiative, and don't, don't support reassignment surgery, which I don't, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Then you don't get a hundred on your score, and it may not matter for the likes of you and me because we're small potatoes in this right. world. But if you're GM, That's or right. yeah. or Bank of America, or whatever the thing is, um, you know, if you don't, or Tesla, if you don't get the score, you can't you can't recruit. You know, General Electric, whatever. And so this is why these or or Anheuser Busch. That's why these companies are doing these things that when you look at them on the face, you're just like, you know, face plant. How does that make any sense at all? You've just destroyed your brand, um, you know, to cater to some special interest population. But they're put in a position where they don't have any choice. Yeah, yeah, they're they have to do this or else they don't get their score and all the things that come with it. Everything is pegged to it. And the biggest one, of course, is you can't get capital if you don't have good ESG scores, because the people that control all the bloody capital are Vanguard, State Street, BlackRock, Bank of America, and the usual consortium that all cross-own each other, and by the way, are all weffers. Now you think, now again, I know I've said this 10 times, you would think that this would be front story, New York Post, New York, like front story, everything. There was a New York Times article out about a year ago or six months maybe that said that BlackRock was on track to con- having um, control of like 98% of all American corporations within five years. Hmm. And right here where it says uh, agenda, of, you know, like we always talk about 2030, the move to eliminate private ownership items such as autos and housing, digital IDs, digital currency. We already talked about the 15-minute cities. Taking away private land for conservation, globalized censorship, etc. Not just one country, but across the world. Basically in a coordinated effort. Right. Wow. Under the logic <clears throat> that um, we must have a centralized command economy run by a unelected world government, similar to the way that the European Parliament and the European Union are run. Um, the people that make the decisions that run the European Union are not elected. Okay? Um, basically, it is, it is the dominance of the banker and economist class. That's, that's what we're looking at as our future horizon, is the new overlords are basically these hyper-wealthy not that they're not already the overlords, and their acolytes, their administrators, who are basically economists and bankers. And they're going to run the world. I mean, I guarantee that art is not going to flourish under this environment. <laughs> How far do you think this is way? Do you think this is really 2030 before this? Or, I mean, do you see this digital currency soon, soon, and the rest of it? Like- so that's the kind of question to ask the likes of Ed Dowd. Yeah. Um, Ed has been predicting that we were having, we were going to come to that nexus already by yeah. the end of the summer. Um, of last summer, so uh, I think he said, uh, said fall, right? Yeah, he said about six months yesterday. Yeah, so so there's he's kind of been having a rolling six month horizon. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, 
I, you know, I don't know. I'm not an economist. I, I, I don't track uh, monetary policy that well, but it appears to me that it's coming quick and fast. And, and the scary thing, all these things are seemingly coming together, like the, the explosive growth of AI, um, central bank digital currency, all Gender, of these control functions, everything. the uh, impending collapse of the potential dollar collapse because of the BRICS currency and what's happening with the petrodollars and, and the conflict in the Ukraine. It's all like just this uh, everything all at once, right? Like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> All once, and it all, and if you sit down, you can connect it. You could tie, you could just draw a line, and it all connects some way, shape, or another. And it seems that a lot of it has to do with these characters at the World Economic Forum. They're the ones that created the G20. Um, we, really? we, yeah, the, you think that a lot of these things are, you know, somehow international agreements, or you know, they've all been done. By for the best of intentions, and and you can't imagine that there actually is a trade organization of the thousand largest companies in the world that are actively manipulating and promoting these various policies. That so here's here's a theory. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go full on conspiracy theorist. <laughs> okay, here's here's one way to make sense out of this. Let's talk about global warming. Okay, so highly controversial topic. Right. right? Is climate change human driven involving CO2 um, uh, such that we have to go to alternative power sources like solar and wind, etc.? which if you run the economics and the modeling, if you're a physicist or an engineer, none of that stuff makes sense. None of it. OK, it's absolutely absurd um, from, you know, an energy staving or any other criteria. OK, but. It is good for business. If you, if you think of the WEF as a trade organization of the thousand largest companies in the world, which it is, okay, that then pool their resources and have created all kinds of structures and processes and training programs, etc., to advance their collective interests and agenda. And they're looking out over the world, and anytime there's a crisis or a change, it's a business opportunity. And if 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 you if you say it's just a hypothesis that whether or not CO two driven climate change is a major impending crisis, and in in West Palm Beach is going to be flooded uh, in ten years by uh, melting glacier water. Okay. We were supposed to be underwater three years ago. Exactly. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. Um, okay. Let's 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 imagine. So, if that's the the model, the hypothesis, and you're one of these thousand largest companies, what you say is, how can I profit off of that event? Mm-hmm. Right? And um, oh, I can build windmills. I can build solar power. Uh, you know units that go on your roof. I can do electric cars. I can, you know, fill in the blank, okay? All these things aren't necessarily adaptive, but incredibly profitable, okay? Mm -hmm. And so if you're sitting there as the World Economic Forum, 
I'm able to manipulate public perception because you own Reuters, you control Associated Press, you control all the corporate media, right? It's all integrated. They're basically, you control everything, okay? So you can basically, uh, just like we saw with the COVID crisis, promote uh, fear in whatever agendas you want because in fifth generation warfare environment, you can completely control information and what people are thinking. And you can basically create this crisis, that crisis, the other crisis, and build whatever you need in order to profit from it. And bang. And, 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 and so it turns out that it's not that thing, okay? It turns out suddenly, you know, remember we had, uh, it was going to be uh, climate change uh, with the new Ice Age. Remember, the Ice Age was going to come through and we're all going to freeze to death, right? Uh, And now we're all going to roast to death or whatever. Either way, you can make profit if you're the ones that are controlling that narrative and controlling what governments are fearing and controlling what governments are doing. You can get in there and sell whatever that thing is, that mitigation. And so I think that there's a case to be made we're in a situation in which the total control of media is weaponized against us by these very, very large transnational organizations that make profit no matter what. You know, the famous uh, argument that um, the, the uh, major banking families funded the Second World War on both sides, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, this happened with the War of the Roses. Rose. It's a, a history all over, right? They they fund both sides of the war and they make profit on both they sides. Money no it's, matter right? what. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's what's, you know, what's not to like. Right. Um, if you're if you're in that business, and so, are we seeing a world that has been totally corrupted in terms of our ability to make uh, objective assessments of threat, risk, and mitigation by a cohort that um, focuses mainly on its profit? And um, this gets to my new mission. Um, and I frankly, I've and this is another one of the essays I wrote, Um, I've come to the point where I see medical freedom as an issue is a symptom of a much bigger problem. And um, there are plenty of people now, you mentioned Peter and so many others, Ed and others, that are very competent, banging away at the medical freedom issue. Um, They don't need me. Um, there's plenty of good people in that space. Um, and I personally like to be out on the fringes where there aren't very many people. That's why I live <laughs> rurally, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where I'm exploring new space and leading, right? As far as I'm concerned, the battle is over free speech and control of information. And that's where I want to spend my efforts now is not so much on medical freedom it's on freedom of information and the ability of all of us to think. <clears throat> well, if you don't correct that, then you, you what's the point of you? You can't go back to medical the, anyway, even the, if you wanted to. The because, logic of the First Amendment. Right. If you can't have free speech, all the other rights are irrelevant. So there goes the medical. So that's so yeah. for me, that's that's my what I'm going to define as my mission. Right. And that's why I've built the studio and I'm spending so much time trying to learn about media and, and get involved in, you know, the podcast and everything else and Substack and our writing is, um, to, to try to champion the cause of, 
of openness and transparency and information because I don't think that we as a human species can fulfill our potential in an environment in which all information is being controlled. We can't. We can't evolve. We can't learn. We can't problem solve if everything that we see, touch, feel, believe, think, taste is manipulated um, for some profit and power objective. It makes sense. So who would be the puppet masters? All the big companies. Because every time they see... A, a avenue to make money, whether like you, it, to me, I'm just regurgitating because it all makes sense. If, if uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram are censoring too much, okay, I'm not saying subsect. Yeah, let's make this platform. We're not going to censor. Put the money into it. If there's, if the S- and then if, as that gets popular, then in swoops BlackRock right, buys them up, and them and up. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I so the the this line of thinking yeah. is built around the idea that all of these seemingly independent corporations or verticals, industrial verticals, are really all functioning as divisions of one company. Like a subsidiary. Like subsidiaries. And the one company that cuts across all, that is the horizontal integration on all these verticals, Mm -hmm. um, is these massive, massive investment funds, BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, Bank of America, that are all cross-owning each other. So they're all interdigital. They're all in cahoots together. And and then the question comes, who owns them? Yeah. And that's that's where we we really... Got to get them Epstein files. Dive into into some uh, touchy, touchy areas uh, because some... Big names crop up uh, that that have all kinds of loaded oh, yeah. uh, stuff, and and they're like. Anytime you get near those names, you get a shock. Yeah, yeah, a real shock. Or you disappear. Or you disappear. Yeah, yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Because, uh, like we said in the beginning, like we're saying Gates, we're saying I'm saying Obama, <clears throat> so and so. If we're saying their names, they're they're not the, the head honcho. The head or, honcho, or Klaus Schwab. Yeah, Klaus Schwab, or uh, what's his name, Soros. Yeah. You know, he, well, this is why I like to cite so the the Great Reset, right? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we yeah. always we, the book, the Great Reset, and Alex Jones came out with his piece about it, mm-hmm. and Klaus Schwab uh, published his piece about the Great Reset. And we all think, well, it's this is a Klaus Schwab thing. No. It was actually first announced by what's now King Charles That's of Great right. Britain. That's right. I did see that. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So then, then that's another one of the rabbit holes. That, is, is, it, is it that there's this ancient European aristocracy yeah. that's really— the puppet man. You know, it's just like <laughs> when you get to that level, you're so far above my pay grade. Me too. <laughs> I <laughs> just, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, where's my horses at, right? Like, let's, yeah. let's go for a graze. Like, I had enough of this. Yeah. And uh, just going back, I, I saw a report, uh, 3,600 reports of miscarriage and fetal deaths in Europe. Europe, boy, they're getting pissed, boy, from the vaccine, obviously. Yes. And when in the hell, you know, just as growing up seeing because I was late to have a kid, which is probably a good thing. But, uh, you know, when in the hell did a woman ever get a vaccine when she was pregnant? I don't mean this one. I mean any kind. I agree. Um, and, this and- has always been the third rail that you, uh, there are a couple, 
but they've been out for a very long time and they have like 50 uh, years. well yeah that ha- have established safety records to take an experimental product like this with virtually no significant data in pregnancy and deploy it something that's biologically active it's affecting the endocrine system like we talked earlier um and and is affecting women's menses and, and to deploy this all the way through pregnancy, insist that it be done, right? You must take, you know, Mary Jane, you must take this for the sake of your child. Your child could get diseased from COVID if you get COVID, if you don't take this jab. They're and, convincing, you know, and, too. And they're, and they're just laying it on heavy um, to all these poor women. And mm. it, the, the, the tri- if you think through, imagine, I, I try to put myself... I try to remember back um, when I was a young person with Jill and we were starting a family. We had nothing. We were in debt. We were just like, you know, can we buy hamburger with the next paycheck? You know, it's just hand-to-mouth existence, oh, so many stressors. And now suddenly they've got all this pile on about the vaccines and uh, what you have to do. And if you don't do it, then you're going to, you know, murder your child basically is the messaging or murder grandmother. Um, and, yeah. and these poor souls. And you know, the guys and the woman's like, Oh my God, we have to do it. Jake. And Jake's like, no, I'm telling you no. And she keeps complaining. Fine. Give it to her. Just give it to her. <laughs> you know, I'm, I mean, it's sick, but that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, and meanwhile, we're not even being straight with these people. Yeah. So tell me about the podcast, the the podcast, your studio you got going. Tell me about that thing you got. Yeah. Going. So how uh, much fun are you having with that? With the wire, you got a lot of wires. It's <laughs> wires. a ton of wires. <laughs> I told wires you, man. There are wires everywhere. Driving nuts. Channels. channels. Yeah, yeah. It's it's wow. so it's it's been a learning curve uh, to try to. I mean, this is all like a dark art. Yeah. Um. And uh, I've had a couple of guys that are fans that are from Northern Virginia. One of them is a true tech genius. He's a former VP at at uh, AT and T, I think, um, and he's just burned out with uh, corporate um, bullshit IT. And um, he's kind of gone it solo. He's set up a new business that is repatriating data. Um, from the cloud so that people basically has enabled people to set up their own local clouds so they could pull their data back from Amazon because they're sick and tired of being data mined. Yeah. Um, uh, and so these two guys have uh, just gone to town helping me set this thing up. So it's uh, because we don't have uh, wired internet where we are. We're rural Virginia. So it's Starlink commercial. Uh, then goes into a uh, um, a PC that filters all the attacks. We get constant attacks. The, Do the, you really? The guys are telling me that they've never seen this load of attacks coming into a site. Shut it down. Um, well, yeah, just trying to knock your site off. Yeah, and and including from the CDC. Okay, we get we get attacks all the time. So we've got a little server box that handles all that traffic. And then it goes into, uh, so it goes through the modem into that server box and then it's routed through a uh, fiber um, to the other building. So we've got two houses and then the studio is an old pig barn. 
uh, <laughs> that was built in 1945 as a cinder block place. Very cool. And so the, the fiber goes all the way to there, and then we've got a, a raid array, a massive raid array um, that is our main server storage space, and then a PC switcher that has been custom built. It's a monster. Um, so uh, we've got we got like top of the line rendering uh, um, hardware in there, and then uh, the uh, um, analog to digital converter uh, that's four channels, and then um, I've got a so unlike you, I don't have a compadre. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm running a four camera um, uh, operation, and I've got a little switcher as well as um, uh, my audio board, um, so I use a Rodecaster Pro, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's right there in front of me. So it's as if you were sitting there, and you've got you've got full control over which cameras are being switched, and um, and and your your full audio deck control, and then um, what what the machine does is I capture five channels simultaneously. Um, and then those can be edited later, plus the master channel that it's whatever I switch at the time. And so I've got um, four cameras plus, and one of them's a teleprompter. And then that's plus uh, the the um, screen grab. So if I'm doing Zoom or whatever, I'm grabbing straight off of the PC as the fifth channel. Mm-hmm. And then all that can be edited. And the guys have set it up so that we have a... Uh, um, you, well, you're a geek, so you you get you uh, love I'm, all this kind I, of stuff. I, yeah, I'm listening yeah. to it. And, and 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 so it's it's got a, a remote uh, desktop function that um, we've the the main guy that's helping with all this found one that has almost no lag, and so um, I've got a guy in Austin that I've hired that kind of is the producer. He knows OBS, this uh, proprietary a, uh, software, <clears throat> and so it's all run off of OBS. Yeah, and um, uh, and then the, the mics now are coming uh, both from the cameras, and then I've got stereo mics set Hanging. up, so I'm I'm broadcasting in stereo, yeah. and uh, yeah, they're on poles, so yep. up above, and uh, um, and it's in you know we're gradually getting the bugs worked out of it. Oh, but the but my my. Uh, colleague down in Austin can basically um, uh, remote in and and because you're dealing with these um, megabyte files uh, that are you know will just take forever to transfer over you the mean web. gigabyte files gigabyte files yeah, yeah. gigabyte files <coughs> gigabyte I wish yeah, they're, they're, I wish we could do 4K yeah, megabyte buddy yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so he's doing all the editing on the local machine because yeah, the yeah. remoting is is without lag, in. so he can basically edit from Austin mm-hmm. uh, in real time and run OBS or whatever. When I get, you know, I'm getting more and more fast with OBS, but when I get trapped, um, he can just remote in and fix whatever I've screwed up. Um, so yeah, it's and then we're having people, like I mentioned, Matt Schlapp, yeah. starting to come in and use it, which I'm glad to see because I'm not using it all the time. Uh, but it's it's just lovely. I can I you know we can have breakfast, have our coffee in the morning, start the Substack, and then I just walk across, flip on the lights, flip on the cameras, and uh, do my hit. Uh, and it's and it's a you know it as opposed to having to go remote to some studio somewhere. Um, I'm I'm enjoying it, and it's allowing me to have more home time and a little less travel time. But I'm still traveling all the time. 
So that's the studio, um, and it's uh, it's local flavor. Uh, you know, I don't have glitzy, high tech backdrops or whatever. You're you're looking at, uh, um, you know, a tongue and groove pine and uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I did buy a monitor, um, just like kind of you're using, but it's a little smaller. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So it's been a journey. I think you'll find it therapeutic. If you're not already, you'll find it therapeutic because it takes you, even though, you know, we're still talking about nightmare stuff, maybe not all the time, but it just pulls you away from the everyday, all day, everything. Which does, the farm does too. Yeah. Um, the, so I can go, go be with the, you know, I can walk out of that and go yeah. feed the horses. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's, that's been nice. And it's, it's part of this uh, initiative to um, become droit at modern media and decentralized media and um, be able to reach people in a semi-professional way. I mean, people, that's, that's, the, that's the huge thing now. Like, you've got this studio here. It looks great. It projects great. Um, and uh, you've got your lighting all set up. Thank you. And, um, and it, it, it looks professional. People want that level, and they want the good audio. They want the high-resolution video. Um, they want the visual stimulus of switching between this feed and that feed and those kind of things. And if that's what they need in order to hear the message, then let's give it to them, um, you know, as, as best we can. And so that's, that's been the commitment. And it actually hasn't taken that much money. I, I was, um, I think that, that perhaps one of the next things I need to do is, is, uh, I've already done it for one Substack where I put together a little guide to my traveling kit, my traveling studio kit, um, and uh, um, put together some kind of a easy guide for setting up your own studio. Because, as you know, when you get into this, you're like, oh, I don't know. You know, everything is trial and error. You just go on and on and on. You were talking about this earlier about yeah. about trying to isolate buzzes and and all the stuff that happens. Oh, boy. Dr. Malone, I can tell you my, my my experience with this stuff, everything, like we use uh, Blackmagic 4K, so Rob switching, you know, thing, I could focus you, yep. color you, all this other stuff. Now, you would think for what that cost, it, come, it would come with a power wire. It doesn't. <laughs> Power cord was sold. Right. Yes, yes, power no. cord. Oh, this is the kind of thing that drives joking. me nuts. Power yeah. cord. You, the sold thing, separately. the thing arrives, and you're like, "Oh, good. Now I'm going to be able to I use it." And then you're like, yeah, we're like, "Damn." Yeah, right. You would, <laughs> yes. No, you know, right. It's, like, it's like it's like years ago when you bought a toy, and you're like, "Ah, oh, shit! It didn't come with batteries." Like, <laughs> exactly. battery. This didn't come with a fucking power cord. We had yeah. He's separately. looking. You yeah. know, I lose everything, Doctor Malone. So he's like, "Where'd you put it, Tommy?" And I didn't touch it. He's like. He's looking oh, that everywhere. was the extra twenty bucks that you forgot <laughs> yeah. to spend. Fifty, I think. Fifty. <laughs> and, and then we're running the cameras, and okay, it does eight cameras. Great. Okay, perfect. Just plug. Get this little nine dollar wire. Oh no, four of them go right in. Router, the other four, I need a wire to the camera to another box to boost it to boost it into the thing. It's just a never anything, but yeah. it's fun. And and I got lucky enough to have you in here twice. And you know what's funny is when uh. You know, I, I had said to a few people that, you know, you were coming back again. Kids that were 16, 15, when's Malone coming? When's Malone coming? Oh, that's neat. That is, it was cool, right? That's neat. You know? Yeah. And all the way up to uh, well, well, our Well, we didn't talk about the rap videos. <laughs> well, well, what? <laughs> rap videos. Oh, here we go. Well, what do you mean rap videos? Okay, so uh, I, I, it's, it's a bizarre world. Um, 
Jill and I have made really good friends uh, with Jesse and Rachel. Um, Jesse goes by the name High Res. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Jesse and Rachel live around Orlando. Um, they are uh, Orthodox Jews, and he is a serious rapper. Um, and uh, the other day we went to their wedding at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Um, it was it was the full deal. I mean, <laughs> the Donald was there. Uh, it was it was the full thing. And <laughs> any case, so I've I've done uh, two rap videos <laughs> with with high res. Um, one's called two plus two equals five. <laughs> and the other one is what's the truth? The what's the truth one is all about Fauci and Schwab oh and, and that's And in both of them, we've got JP Sears, uh, <laughs> okay. leading in or, or participating. They're just, it's a lot of fun in it, but it gets, it loops back to your point about reaching folks, um, that are in different ages, different age brackets. And how do you do that? I mean, this is the real problem that we face in modern media where everything is fragmented is how do you grow your base? How do you, how do you reach outside of that core and how do you get relevant across different age cohorts? Cause there's so much division now, so much difference. And, um, I think that's, that's just been another one of the huge joys for Jill and I is to have a chance to, um, cut across. Of course, Ray, Rogan was the big breakthrough. I, sure. you know, having 20-somethings Nobody, fist bump me yeah. I was bizarre. That guy's uh, numbers is out of this world. Yeah, you but uh, so it's um, it's all a fun journey, isn't it, that we're on? It's, yeah. it's totally... There's, I, I love being in areas where there's no clear roadmap. Yeah. Where, where you you have to figure it out yourself. There isn't a rule book. There's not a manual that you can go to that says this is what you do. And sometimes it drives you nuts, like with the attacks and things like that that are coming at you that you're not. Well, in the sense of there's you can't go to a book or, or a lawyer or a, a senior media person and get advice. So how do you handle this? Because it's never been done before. I mean, this, the, the fifth generation warfare stuff that's being deployed now is, you know, we're at the front edge of encountering it. And so we have to figure it out ourselves. But, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, when you think about it, it is. And then just think, you know, back, you know, 20 years ago when, you know, lab, 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 now you're rapping. What's the rap? Do you have a, you have a, you have a rap name? Do you have a, do you have no, 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 no. And yeah, I don't. You need and a I name. don't sing. Um, <laughs> need a name. Yeah, I, I, I may. I, there's rumors that I may be asked to sing on an upcoming one. I don't know. But, oh boy! Uh, next but, time we see him, he's going to be on tour on some. He's going to have a hat on backwards. He's going to have earrings in his ear. He's going to have a diamond chain coming. Doc, look, if you come awesome. in with the diamond chain and, and earrings, right. I promise. I'm not going to look at you any different. I still love you. Hey, well, here we are in Palm Beach, so <laughs> yeah, you know, you I'll figure, just fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need a rap name. We need a name. We need a name. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is Post Malone. Well, he was you could be Dr. Post Malone or something. <laughs> I, I Actually, people have created that meme. Um, so they put tattoos on my face. Right. <laughs> Next time we'll see him come in off a tattoo. Pre-Malone. Pre-Malone. I don't know. Pre-Malone. Anything else, Rob? That was awesome. Uh, man, well, thank you for your time, you Doc. You know, please come back again. Uh, you're, yeah. you're so fun and, and just full of knowledge, and I think we cover a lot of cool stuff and had fun, too. We'll have to come Thanks. up to Virginia hey. and check that studio out. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, come where on. are you give posting me, Give me some tips. Where, where are you posting the videos at? 
So I'm not broadcasting yet. This is one of the things I was supposed to start broadcasting last month. Actually, I just got a what I had a call um, as we were just getting into this from Yanya Kellick, and he wants me to start um, posting rapper. to yeah. uh, no. Uh, uh, when you said Young Kellick, se- sen- <laughs> senior <laughs> editor. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting better with my. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. He's senior editor at Epic Times, and they want me to uh, post there weekly. Oh, nice. um, so that would be fun. Um, they've got a good, you know, it's all about the audience share, right? Yeah. yeah as soon as you do, let me know. I can add add it to the descriptions anytime. Cool. Even, even the other one that you crushed everything. You didn't see the Spotify. Uh, but, Did it uh, go okay? <laughs> yeah, it went okay. okay cool. <laughs> we're going to we're have to go up this summer and see you. Yeah. we make a trip up. Please do. Yeah. Uh, we've, got an, we've got a guest house. And, uh, you know, you can come and shoot some B-roll and uh, we could uh, take you up to uh, Brooke Miller's uh, place. Yeah. I've got some awesome B-roll of that with all these cows. Awesome. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I told you my mom got mad at me. Like, Italian mother mad, it doesn't matter how old. At 19, she made me go do that thing where I had to put the thing on cows. What do you like when you're going to? What do they call it? No, the rubber. No, shit. She made me do the real deal. She went to the guy. Milkers, you're talking about? Yeah, I had to go in there and drain. (laughs) I had to put the rubber things on and and drain the cow milk (laughs) and put it in. Shit, she made me do Automatic milkers, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't messing around. (laughs) (laughs) Had a little vacuum and they go. Right yeah, the yeah. I carry put it in a truck. No, these are Brooks. Brooks are all Angus there, so you're not milking them. Okay, you're, yeah, I was you're flashbacks for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you're eating them. <laughs> you got anything, Rob? That's it, man. Yeah, let me know when you start posting those uh, posts, and uh, you know, please uh, just remember Tommy here for a couple of hours, so I could follow you back in here as well. It's fun, man. Always it's a pleasure, fun. and and we love visiting. Um, I didn't realize that we're only a couple of miles from uh, Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Right on the road, right? Yeah. Right. I remember that. This is this is just a beautiful place, um, and uh, it's you know this it's 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 kind of pricey down as you go down the strip. Oh, these, yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit. Hotels, yeah. But well, we've, Al Pacino's right down there, and he's never there. <laughs> never. None <laughs> really? of them are. No, I think they're lawn care. Can't I can't imagine what they're paying in lawn care. But these people, they buy these houses down this way. Uh-huh. You know, fifty, hundred million, three hundred million, and yeah. they're never there. Yeah, it's Other than the long people over there. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they probably live in there. <laughs> they probably live in there, yeah. And uh, yeah. please tell Mrs. Malone hello and thank you uh, for, yeah. for sharing some time. Well, thanks for having us out. We had a great dinner last night at the Four Seasons. Oh, great. And um, I'm not sure where she's got me slighted for having dinner tonight. And then we fly out tomorrow morning to go see Bobby Kennedy in Boston for awesome. his kickoff, for his announcement. That's fantastic. And with the farmers, whenever you get that going, if you could send me the map of where I can go here in Florida, I'm not in PA to get real meat. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, we got to send that to right. Yeah, whenever you, if he comes up with an app or something, we're like, hey, here's a, a safe farmer to go to where I'm not eating That's craziness. a great idea. I'll talk about that this upcoming yeah. weekend, that, that we need to have some sort of a tool so that folks can can connect with the farmers. Yeah, because I don't know where to go. Yeah. yeah and there's, there's a lot of lot of cattle farms here in, in Florida. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, please do that. Not so many in Miami, though. <laughs> I don't want, I'm, 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 I'm fine right here. <laughs> I'm fine right here. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and I'll probably get in trouble. All right, Dr. Malone, thank you so much again. My pleasure. Pleasure.
This episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all into one easy-to-use app. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Protect you and your family from America's fastest-growing crime. Try Aurora for free for two weeks and see if you or anyone in your family's personal information has been compromised. Start your free trial today. Go to aurora.com slash MSCS. The link is in the description below.